Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another issue of the Comic Boogies podcast. Episode 96 is here. Myself, Mike, Mark, and Sean are also here. We have a fourth person on the show this week. He's been on before. He is the owner of our wonderful sponsor, Treasure Island Comics in Fremont, California. Make sure to go check him out. Not today, Wednesday, new comic book day because they're closed, but Fridays and Saturdays as well. Alex, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hello. Uh, so how was your... I know. So how was, uh, let me first off for the fans. It's been a while since you've been on. How were you, how was your Christmas? How was your new year's? How was the holiday season, sir? Everything, uh, was nice and calm. I mean, kind of forced calm with the, the shelter in place orders, but, uh, nice, nice and calm. A lot of time with the family, which I can't complain about. I like that stuff. Um, but like everybody just, uh, rocking indoors holidays, man, you know, it was a trip. It's, it's a trip, man. But I, I don't know. I just hope we get out of this. We, there's got to be, uh, you know, better days are ahead for sure. We, we've got to get better on this stuff. I mean, supposedly they're setting up vaccine centers, Disneyland, uh, Oracle. Yeah. So, I mean, then I think yeah. that they already said today that if you're over 65, you can already apply or something. So, oh, OK. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just uh, I think that the quicker people get vaccinated if that's what they wish and whatnot, then I guess the quicker we can get the ball rolling. But I don't know. Uh, I just want to get past this hump as well, man. It just sucks yeah. for everyone involved. Well, man, if they want to vaccinate everybody, put vaccination centers outside 7-Eleven and grocery stores. Am I right? I mean, Jesus Christ. You there know? you go. <laughs> Disneyland's cool. I wouldn't mind getting vaccinated at the car park at Disneyland. That sounds great. But I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm always at Safeway. So you can just get me at Safeway. <laughs> Safeway's a go-to spot or Target. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, Target, right? Target's a gem. Target. Imagine yeah, if Amazon. Target their logo. You can't yeah. run on that. Or an Amazon <laughs> fulfillment center. People can pick up their packages and get vaccinated too. <laughs> Screw oh Prime. God. You just get it right then and there. Like right when you order it. Just curbside pickup from your fulfillment center. Jeez. <laughs> but no pee breaks. No pee breaks for you ever. Nope. You have pee in a bottle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so COVID, everything is going on right now. Obviously, it sounds like, you know, you had a pretty popular Christmas. Like everyone else just hanging out, chilling with the family yeah. and stuff. Business-wise, Treasure Island, how are you guys doing right now? Doing okay. I, I'm very lucky because of the subscription customer base that I've got. My mail order business has been very good. Um, but, uh, God, it's because of regulars, man. I mean, you know, regulars keep all the businesses going, and I appreciate that so much. I, I feel very fortunate and lucky that I have the customer base that I do um, because it's a mess. It's a, it's a straight-up mess. I mean, I started working on my taxes already because I took, like, every small business. It's going to be a, a hell of a loss in 2020, and I, I don't even know the full scope of, of how much I lost. I have a rough idea because I keep a sales journal, but, like, to sit down and look at everything is going to be uh, phenomenal. I think it's just going to be a brutal, brutal look at 2020, but that's every small business, man. I think, you know, the only, uh, the only businesses that really got over were the businesses we know that got over, like all the medical stuff, Amazon, of course, anybody was delivering, those guys are making money hand over fist, but uh, every, everybody else just took it, took it hard this year, I think. If you're making toilet paper, or Clorox, bleaching oh, wipes, so maybe, man, sure. I mean, you're making a killing, but I mean, I yeah, guess you'd have to you have to attest that to yourself, though, Alex. I mean, I'd say that your personality and the way you come off to customers, you know, especially, you know, the way that's another thing I have to mention. The way the shop was before the vibe when I used to go in there and Eric was in there and then your other buddy, I can't think of his name. I haven't seen him. Chris, in, Chris I haven't Chris, seen him yeah. in months. 
I don't even know if he comes by still, but you know, the vibe was just so different. Now I go in, I mean, obviously we get to talk to you. I see some of the regulars mm-hmm. there on Wednesday and, you know, just you opening up and just being like a cool owner that you are is obviously sponsoring the podcast and everything. So I'd like to say thank you for that. And just that hopefully for 2021, that the outlook can be a little bit better for yourself and, you know, other oh, small sure. businesses, comic book stores, you know, around the, the nation as well in the world. No, I, I feel, I feel, I mean, customers are, are keeping the business float afloat big time. I did apply for the new California state grant uh, earlier well, just at the end of last week, it was like, it's like applying for a loan that took a few hours to do, but they California mm-hmm. started a grant program, which we'll, we'll see. I hope that can happen. I didn't get any PPP stuff last time. Um, but, uh, you know, God, I mean, there's, I hear about so many other businesses doing much worse than me. So I feel very, very lucky to be fair. It's just like, God, it could be so much worse. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, luckily I do have a great customer base. You know, I'm I'm not the best shop for everybody. That, that's definitely true. But I try to make sure everybody that comes in, we're cool. I try to be as cool as possible, man. I, I mean, we all have comic books in common. You know, we, you guys have all heard me talk, I think, a lot in the shop this year about, um, you know, we've all decided to, like, fight to death over this political thing. And it's like, man, I tell everybody, like, to be fair, your taste in music and movies is much worse. But we don't argue about that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like, but the shop's also, a, like, a place to, to chop it up and and, and chat and have a little bit of community so i i want people to talk and sometimes we have some hard conversation but i try to remind people like you have to talk this out we, we can be cool and disagree it's really not the end of the world man mm-hmm. some people just made it that lately and it's like god what a what a misplaced energy to me you know because I mean, nobody good. really agrees with anybody really to be fair like even your wife your best friend you guys are cool but it's like 85 percent cool you know there's like a bunch yeah. of stuff on the side that doesn't work um, but you have to give and take it's compromised to make sure you don't, you don't want to offend your friends. You don't want to offend strangers. No one really wants to do that stuff. I don't think. Coworkers. Sure. Yeah, 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 exactly. You got to work with people, you know, and, um, it's tough. I mean, real life bleeds over into everything for sure. Um, and I, like I tell people like, you know, maybe you can't talk about like, Oh, it's comic books, right? We always, Hey, let's chop it about comic books at home. I know you're not talking comic books at home. Let's do it at the shop. That's what was a joke, right? Like if I could serve beer, it'd be one of the coolest shops ever. But there's no oh, way in hell. Yeah. That. I'd be the cherry on top. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'd come at lunchtime because I thought don't think it. I'd get back to work. But I mean, that's what I like about Treasure Island. You know, it's through like all of the comic book shops that I've actually personally been to in like the Bay Area. You are mm-hmm. you're the only one who I walk in and I know that what I'm going to talk about it's comic books. You know, like a lot of these guys have all of these other. Um, like the card games, I forget, like like oh, okay. magic and stuff set up so they where they have tournaments and everything. They have the things where you can decorate your little figurines for, uh, you know, those games, the Dungeons and Dragons games and stuff. But strictly comic book stuff. If you're going in there and you want some, you know, insight on what to get from the past or present or you know sometimes you know two months from now, that's the shop to go to. And and, and I love that. And it's you know, people watch sports. People, you know, used to go to the movies and do other things to kind of get away from the stress and stuff. Man, whether I go in there for five minutes or 25 minutes every week, uh, that's that's one of my escapes. I love going in there. Love it. Well, yeah, I mean, we we try to at least a joke. It's the candy shop, right? Let's have fun in the candy shop. Let's be cool, (laughs) man. There's way more in common than we've got in difference. And uh, but it's I mean, God, this 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 year was as real as it gets, I think, for everybody. Right. It, It redefined a lot of stuff. That redefines the way people want to talk to each other, how they went on, how we have to interact. We have to interact differently now. You know, you can't have all the close quarters stuff. And 
I don't know. It's just tough, man. It's the weirdest year I've seen in my life, to be fair. So yeah. And, and they seem like every shop does a little different too. Like I've, I've always struggled with carrying, I, I'm a comic book guy. I, I don't collect toys. I don't do the gaming stuff. And, um, I've always felt like a tourist when it comes to that stuff. Like one of the shops I worked in as a kid, we did a lot of the magic cards and stuff. And people always ask me like, Hey, don't you think, you know, you want to sell magic cards? And it's like, you know, sure. There's money in that to be, to be had, but I feel like a, a total tourists when i talk about it, i don't know what i'm talking about um you know i'm not just there to make money i want to you know be able to contribute have a good recommendation or something and i don't play the games um and i just feel like it's very insincere superficial if i were to carry that stuff and, and there's guys that do that very well in the area right there's plenty of shops that do cards way better than i ever could guys that sell toys way better than i could it's all good we don't have to be good at everything you can be good at just a couple things and and rock that you know like well, i, I love comic books well, now that we have gotten into 2021, you've had pretty much a calendar year of, okay, this is what it's like with COVID, uh, rather it's the financial challenges, customer challenges, whatever it may be. What's the big thing you're looking forward to in 2021? Is there like a certain goal maybe you're placing for yourself or kind of like just a certain motivation to help with the company? Yeah, I'm looking to, uh, I, I bolstered up my eBay store pretty, pretty much last couple of years. Nice. And uh, uh, I was just telling Jenny, like, you know, like uh, there's a lot of dead stock in the store, older stuff that just has kind of passed its prime. And um, my goal is during the winter when it's a little quiet is to get a ton of that stuff up just on the eBay store, clear it out, clear a lot of the dead stuff out of the store, mm -hmm. make sure it finds a good home. Um, you know, it's, it's the customers, the shop don't need, I can always special order it or like, like specifically for Hellboy I was looking, I got tons of Hellboy stuff and that's one of my favorite comic books, hands down, but the audience is pretty small these days. And so, like, they're getting ready to reprint a bunch of that stuff, new collections and whatnot. So it's like, let me let me just dust the stuff off, clean it all up, get it for sale, get it out, turn it over, for get sure. that money back out of it, you know? And I think a lot of people are, you know, like crazy, which is the worst hobby in the world, but we're all doing it because we got the time and you're home and it's like, let's let's clean everything up. I've been on a tear at home and in the shop lately. It's just terrible. It's the worst hobby in the world, cleaning constantly. It's like my mother. You know, <laughs> <laughs> How, wh who's great at it, by the way. She's awesome. But what would you say your percentage of customers are? Like, do you think that 90% of your customers are like us, like the regulars that come every week? How much like foot track are you getting? Or you, like, compare the foot traffic before COVID, I guess, going into now 2021, sure. how crazy it's been or how the percentages are, you know, even in between, maybe not the foot traffic or, you know, the regular, regular like us, but the once every, I know you got the guys in there that they come once a month, but their stack is huge. Yeah. It's crazy, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly diehards. Uh, everybody, especially, like, it feels like when it comes to comic book shops, very few guys are really shopping around. Most guys have their shop. Um, the, the, the exception being is the, the speculator guys that go shop to shop just looking for the hot books. They're just roaming through everywhere. But most guys, I think, are very happy to find a good shop that works for them and just kind of stick with it, you know, and try to build that loyalty. You know, I always try to make, take care of my guys and I ask the same in return. And it, it's, it's a like a symbiotic relationship. It works for everybody. Um, there's always some guys trying to, you know, maybe they move to the area and they check it out. There's a lot of flirtation with guys that come in and check things out. But, God, the lion's share of my business, probably 80% is, is regular loyal guys, man, you know. I think I think that before COVID, that with with that the station that you got right there that a lot of the foot traffic would have helped over there like you know people coming off on and off the train being down there in yeah. the downtown area of the city so 
I think that probably would have helped, but with COVID, it just uh, probably killed that foot traffic for you, which is horrible. To, to some degree, my, my mail order business is great, though. Like, to be fair, especially like when the shit hit the fan and everything got closed up, my my eBay sales went through the roof because everybody was stuck at home. And, and it's cool. I, again, I can't complain, man. I, I'm happy to do the work. It's good work. I'll take it, you know. Yeah. Like you told but me when I started my eBay, it's all work. It takes time. Yeah. It is. Yeah, but you get paid, right? I mean, I have yeah. like mm-hmm. you, can, you can play with it, and that's cool. But man, treat it like a business. Treat it like work, and it will be successful for you. So, going back to your eBay store, though, you said that you have books in the shop that you may want to just go through and just put up there to to get rid of. Yeah. Do you mostly have books um, that are like speculatory, like oh, like like this book is going to be hot because of a certain movie or TV show appearance is going to be, or no, is it, most or is of- it mostly because it's so old that it's going to get a lot of money? The majority of your books, like what kind of books are we looking at? The, the, how I started eBay was uh, I started buying eBay, buying Graflex flash guns to build lightsabers like in 1998 is how the damn thing started. And then I started selling comic books overstock and, and duplicates and stuff in my own collection. Um, I started selling vinyl. I had, a, I had a huge vinyl collection. Like there was a point in time where I had uh, five or six copies of each Cure 12 inch, 7 inch album. Stuff like, I love the Cure, by the way. Free plug yeah. for the Cure. <laughs> so I stuff, and in the '90s we were Jenny and I were thinking about uh, maybe moving back to Southern California, and I was like, "Man, I don't want to move all this vinyl. Let me start selling it." And so I started selling in earnest, and uh, then I got back into comic books in, in 2000, and it started off like maybe sell some overstock on eBay, and then with the rise of CGC, I sell the majority of my current stuff is slab books, so it's a very different clientele than mm-hmm. what I have in the shop. Um, and, and that's, that's been, you know, like the whole CGC thing for comic books is, has been really good to some degree, uh, because, you know, lots of guys are looking for lots of stuff and it's more like, and I hate to say this, but it's more like investment grade stuff or speculative type books, but there's a real audience there, you know, and I was selling lots of raw books on eBay and I had a guy, gosh, probably 10 years ago, he bought a book off me for couple hundred bucks really sharp copy and came back to let me know that he, he ended up getting it getting it slabbed and selling it for i think close to a grand and i was like i can't leave that money on the table anymore i gotta I damn gotta that. nice that's so. that's yeah that's crazy that's like me i i got a you know first appearance of lobo was mm-hmm. that um omega um, man. yeah omega man number three i think it was and i got it for 27 dollars on ebay and it was just a raw book, and I mm. sent it sent out to CGC when I went to Comic Con way back in like 2018, 2017, or whatever. It came back at 9.8, and I recently I, sold I recently sold it for almost 300 bucks. So I mean, yeah, so stuff like that you definitely can, um, yeah. you know, come up on. But I but I hear that the, fee, the did the fees go up because so many people on these public forums are complaining about you know like they're really losing money because they're charging so much on what they think that it may be worth. Like I, I, I'm hearing like horror stories on these guys sending out 10 or 20 books and their invoice for them grading. It is like upwards of a thousand or $2,000 just to get it graded. Just to get graded. Yes. Yeah. I mean, gosh, that's uh, I mean, I, without knowing all what they did in the age of the books, it's hard to say because the price is dependent upon how old the book is. It's value. There's a value surcharge for the, the primo stuff. And there's also mm-hmm. expedite charges, which I, I, you know, I don't give CGC any extra money unless it would have to be an emergency for me to expedite something with them because it, it's already pretty costly. You, in, like I just sent off 50 books 
And uh, that's going to tie up money for anywhere from three to seven months that, you know, you pay for it and you won't get it back for, for months. And I, and I, mm-hmm. I kind of wow. hate doing that, but that's the dance. That's the dance you go through. And so I have to keep it where I'm sending stuff and getting stuff on a semi-regular basis to make sure that, you know, one hand washes the other and then your costs are covered, but it's, it's a business and people that are yeah. doing that need to treat it like a business. Like I, I, I tell people very regularly, like, you know, sell books, go on and do that stuff, do all that stuff. I get it, you know? But get a business license so you can write those costs off. There's you can you can kind of stack the deck in your favor a little bit. You don't need to start making up bullshit costs or write offs. You got plenty of legit write offs as a business. Start it as a business. Now that's a weird commitment for some folks. But Mark and I talked about this quite a bit last year, right? So it's like you know, go in, invest. You can get those. You can start writing those costs off. You know, talk to your tax person. I'm definitely not giving tax advice. Disclaimer, you know, but <laughs> yeah. but. You can you can make it work for yourself. I mean, the CDC thing is it is not cheap. Like you have to be a member, um, unless you. I think you do an on-site thing, which I've never done. I I do the top lever top layer membership because I do so much volume now. Um, but it's 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 not cheap, you know. And like I I actually have a little spreadsheet that I use that I program with a bunch of macros to to track. Uh, what current nine eights, nine sixes and stuff sell for versus the cost, mm-hmm. the time it's going to come back. And I have a weird matrix that if it doesn't hit a certain number, it's not worth it to me. Yeah. And you just have to kind of cut it. Maybe it's worth holding on for long, longer if that book attains more value, or maybe it just is meant to be sold raw later. You know, let somebody else take that cost on. You don't have to, you, like, you can slab a bunch of stuff and it doesn't mean it's going to sell. You know, you could, it's like it, a lot of it is a popularity contest. You could yeah. slab a book that you love that just doesn't sell like maybe one sold four years ago on ebay like i just looked at a book uh plop number one i've i've i bought a collection last year off an older guy he had maybe 15 copies of this book it's an old humor book like mad magazine from dc in the late 60s and uh sergio aragona's cover fantastic and i got like a stack of them right so i'm like maybe i send one in what is this thing worth and uh it was like it doesn't matter what it's worth. I don't think no one sold a copy in like three years. So I was like, well, no. scrap 86 out immediately, right? Like, yeah. why would I put yeah. any money into that? Um, just so I could say I did it. I'm not into collecting that uh, accolade, mm-hmm. right? Like, I spent dumb money on a book. I'm, I'm, everybody's done that. I, I could limit that uh, behavior. So Yeah. Well, especially the Signature series. Like, I got, you know, signatures oh, from yeah. Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, like there, you know. You, but, you know, luckily they weren't high priced. It was like you buy one thing from their store and then you get a signature $5 more for two through X amount of signatures after that, which was, you know, a, a mm. decent price in my mind. Yeah, yeah. But when you go take that, when you have your witness and you go to the C- the signature series uh, booth, they make you pay for everything up front because mm-hmm. they automatically write down at least a $200 value for a signature. So you pay for their mm. services now or they won't even wrap it up and send it to Sarasota. The other r- regular blue label, oh, sure, yeah, go ahead. We'll send you the invoice later and then we'll go ahead and ship it uh, back out to you once you pay for it. But Signature Series was way different. Like they wanted the commitment right then and there to get those back because they know it's going to be like a 9.6, 9.8 also. They're right there on the floor, you know? So, yeah, that I, was, that I was guess they got weird. burnt by that too, right? You, you change your behavior. You start making people pay up front when a lot of people uh, bail on you or something. But, uh, I, yeah. you know, props to them for capturing that cost. I get it. That's a lot of cost to tie up. You know, but like I said, I send in you know books like every other month, and it's 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 a trip, man. It's a lot of work. Are these graders the same graders that are doing these cards now? Because if you guys have paid attention to the card market, I guess the trading cards from back in the day, rookie cards and whatnot, that's <laughs> been a hot market right now as well. Is that the same place 
that does the com the comics in Sarasota? Are they those? Do you know if they're the same ones that are grading all these cards as well? So CGC will do cards. They do like movie posters and uh, concert posters. They do all kinds nice. of stuff. Oh, really? Uh, all that stuff, right? Like they work with the uh, with the museums for archival purposes. All their stuff is archival material. But uh, Beckett is the big sports card uh, grading company. Uh, that's Beckett. like the Phoenix, the, the Coke, right? Beckett is the one. And uh, yeah, I mean, God, you know, I, I've seen uh, some of those stories about guys sitting home opening a opening a, a case of cards and, and hitting a, a couple of good ones, man. And, and, you know, that's like putting blood in the water for guys that like feel like gambling a little bit on it. And that's, that's super real lately. You know, there's that shop in the peninsula. They've been doing gangbuster business with cards this year because they, they got access to their good card shop and they got lots of good stock and people just been snapping that stuff up. Even like Pokemon, I get phone calls every day about Pokemon. crazy. I don't know anything about it. If I my, love Gengar, I rep Ghost type all the time. You know, my buddy yeah. has a bunch of them, dude. That Pokemon stuff is going off again as well. You're right. Yeah, they have like they have like a new series where it's like, oh, people are yeah. doing all these unboxing videos on YouTube yeah. where it's like, oh, like yeah. I'm gonna get this holographic Charizard, like yeah. like this era or whatever. It's crazy. It, it I, is. It's it's uh, fascinating. Mm-hmm. I just all these things that come out during coronavirus time too, like like during a pandemic, all these things that come out. um, My wife subscribes to this um, this toddler course of these two women. One of them is like a toddler expert, like she's you know her you know like uh, development, you know like child development, (laughs) and then another her best friend is just a mother of two, you know, and they. Right in Mar- <laughs> yeah so like right in march they created like an instagram page of you know uh, tips and and stuff to to handle your toddler and to do this instead of that this instead of that mm-hmm. and they're all, all over the place they have uh, hundreds of thousands of followers they have your own their own website where they give you these modules that you can watch these little videos but you pay mm-hmm. and stuff yeah and this is all during the pandemic stuff like that's crazy that people yeah. can still you know, find ways to create a business, like you said, and, you know, and, yeah, yeah. and make money even during this time. Like only fans, you mean? Oh, that no, blew no. up during the pandemic <laughs> as well. That. <laughs> people stuck well, at home. Think, well, think about all the people like, uh, I mean, like the internet, like all the social media stuff, which I, I don't like a lot in general. You guys are going to say that stuff, but like mm-hmm. the positive stuff that comes out, people sharing information. Awesome. Yeah. I, I like all that stuff a lot. Right. The monetization of stuff or, or pushing like weird fads. I don't like that. I, in, in, gosh, you know, like all the, the, not to go backwards too far, but all the political discourse that's just completely bonkers right now on social media. It's like, God, that does not help. It's killing us as a, as a society, bro. Media, social media is completely tearing us our, like, our, like, our love between one another right now. I think it's, uh, it's horrible. And the fact that they say that, you know, some of these memes and stuff like that is like infiltration that some like even like other countries are creating like some of these memes and propaganda, mm-hmm. like for us to like fight against each other. You know, it's like we're all one nation, you know, under God, whatever, you know, how the whatever. And, you know, what I mean, I, I, I I'm from California. We've talked about this, Alex. And it's like. I get along with everybody. I went to Newark where it's like we got in, in, Fremont's huge Indian town. We get along with everybody. Sure, yeah. So I, I've, I grew up with love, immigrant parents like Sean, you know, Portuguese. We got love for everybody. It's just good hearted, like, you know, people. It's just, I don't know, man. I just hate to see it. But yeah, not to get too political, but it's just BS. Like you yeah, said, yeah. social media is killing it right now. No, like I felt like, you know, uh, 
Facebook was like, hey, we didn't really let people coordinate against the, the rights in the capitals. Like, you should just stop talking. Like, it's it obviously <laughs> happened at this point. You can say all the mouth words you want, but there's plenty of people that were using it. And if you want to put controls in there, so people, I mean, people are going to organize. You want people to organize on Facebook. I get it. But you should really look to limit, like, organizing things where it can get really heated like that. There's a weird accountability when you provide a platform, I think. Yeah. You know, just like in the shop, I don't want people getting too crazy in the shop. You have to be careful with what you say. We, we have to be accountable. I keep talking about this a lot lately. We, we should all be very accountable. We, like, have a lot of per- we all have a lot of personal accountability, right? Like, if we were to say something wrong or get in trouble, no one's going to bail us out. Like, it's not going to happen for us, right? So we live in that world already, but there's a lot of folks who live in the layer above us or like the politicians and they get to say a lot of stuff. They get to pass off as rhetoric. And it's like, man, that's pretty inflammatory. You know, like if I were to say that outside, people would throw hands. You know, you get mm-hmm. to say because you're a politician and that's how that goes. And sure, we're going to accord you some respect because you're a politician, but you guys should, should really limit yourself. You have a weird responsibility. People look to you as leaders. We all got to do better. We, we, I mean, mm-hmm. we, got, we could all do much better. It's a constant, you know, it's constant work, but it's, it's worth doing. Yep. We have to do everything together. We're all in this together. It doesn't get any, you know, simpler than that to me. Yeah. So something that does bring everyone together, at least us four, is comic books. So I kind of want to yeah. um, just to preview, just to list a few of the books that came out this week, like I do every week. Sure. Uh, but to remind everyone to go check out all these books at Treasure Island Comics in Fremont, California. Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays, check out Alex. He'll give you what you need. Start your pull list. He'll do curbside. He'll you can walk into the shop as long as you're one of five people with a mask on, or he can even mail you your books. But over on the DC side. Future State continues with Dark Detective 1, Justice League 1, Green Lantern 1, and Teen Titans 1, and American Vampire 1976 number 4 is out too. Uh, Marvel Amazing Spider-Man's 57, Immortal Hulk 42, Marauders 17, Star Wars Darth Vader, and Sword number 2. Uh, a couple of the uh, smaller publications, Boom Studios has 7 Secrets 6, and Mighty Morphin number 3, Image Sex uh, Sick Pilots not the Sex Pistols, but I the Sick home Pilots. Sick. Pilot. Home. <laughs> home, sorry, I have it written down too. It's Home Sick. I thought that was good. Oh, God, what would I have written down? Jesus. Home Jeez. Sick Pilots number two and Ha Ha number one. And Aftershock is Lonely Receiver five, Red Atlantis three. AWA has Erratic number two and a new one, Man's World number one. So, Alex, I wanted to, um, I don't know if you've read any of these, but you know, recently over the last month or two, either future state or not future state, what have you really liked over the last few months, you know, going into the end of death metal era and into this new future state infinite frontier, you know? So, um, I read, I read death metal and was, I have to admit a little disappointed. Uh, I was also disappointed in X of swords, storm of swords. I, uh, talked about this briefly in the shop. I, um, DC and Marvel have, pissed me off a little bit this year with just the the doubling down on the few books that really sell and just hogging just pushing all these damn tie-in issues like king and black right now is ridiculous it's it's literally too much Mm -hmm. um x of swords storm of swords was originally going to be 14 parts and they expanded to 22 parts and it was it did not benefit the story Uh, a lot of it didn't make much of a difference the ending i thought was a bit of a letdown. It was not like a terrible ending, but it wasn't the ending I expected for that book. The, the ending they put on, which was the return of Captain Britain, to be fair, I thought should have just been kept in Excalibur where that belonged. And um, Death Metal too. you know, the first metal was awesome. I, I love that. I just I just sold that copy to a guy and we were chopping it up today. He just got back to reading and was like, yeah, thanks for the recommendation. How do you feel about Death Metal? I said, well, 
it's tough. The main book is pretty damn solid, although ridiculously over the top, but that's, it's the end of this universe and it's a crisis book. But all the tie-ins were like way too much. And you're getting into like six, seven, $8 tie-ins. And it's like, man, guys, dudes are, people are still underemployed. People are still not working to their full ability or capabilities right now. It's a luxury expense hobby. I always appreciate it, but you can't be killing the faithful, uh, for showing up, it feels a little, a little greedy to me to just double down on these big events. And, you know, like you heard me, Mike and I, we talked about, we talked about this morning. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, independent publishers have kicked so much ass in 2020 for me, like vault kicking it, boom, killing it. Image always doing really well. I'm always very partial to dark horse. Um, AWA aftershock, just all these guys, you know, bringing a list talent, working really hard to get books in front of you, make, make them exciting and fun. It's something that Marvel and DC quite frankly, aren't concerned with right now is making comics fun and accessible. Like if you're an X-Men guy like me, the new X-Men book is fantastic. If you're a new X-Men guy, that book makes no sense to you. It's playing on so much weird history. And, and I keep talking about this around the shop. It's like, it's self limiting behavior. Marvel has limited themselves by making like putting a wall, a wall around these titles. That's really tough to crack. And then also like Marvel and DC, I mean, it's serialized entertainment. They, they want to do the, it's a soap opera, right? Episode to episode. But when you write for arc where it's like a six issue arc or a 12 issue arc, it, there's no good point to jump in if you're a new reader, right? It's sometimes impossible to get somebody on the start of that event because maybe something crazy happens in part one and we all sell out, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh, Joker War, that shit blew up when it first did. And I like, by the way, I like Joker War. That was fantastic, way better than I expected. Um, probably again a little too many tie-ins, but in general, very very solid event within the Batman books. But you know, you're kind of penalizing new readers. They, they don't know where to to start. You know, it's like, hey, I want to pick this up. Cool, read these four trades. Like that's a big commitment for somebody, <laughs> and you don't know if that's going to click for them. You know, mm-hmm. and I I'm always torn on that. Like I tell guys, I'm a retailer. I'm I'm in it just to make money with this stuff, but I'm also a reader. I don't want. I don't want you to have a bad experience when you come to the shop with a bad recommendation that turned you off on comic books. That doesn't help mm-hmm. anybody. That's not what we're here for. Well, we going back to our take, have fun, you know? Yeah. Go- going specifically to Tom King's Batman run, when you had City of Bane, that was in mm. the 70s and 80s, I believe, of issues. Mm-hmm. And that story brought back Gotham and Gotham Girl, mm-hmm. which they appeared in Batman 1. Right, so that was like, right. w- like, what do you like? What do you have to like? People are asking themselves, do you have to go back and read seventy five right. other issues to get it? Like Jesus Christ, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, and I like Tom King's run a lot, and I know it was originally going to be like a hundred issues. And and uh, I, it's funny. Uh, like full disclosure, man, I did not think I was going to like James Tinian's run after Tom King so much. Um, but I end up loving it. I love his writing in general. But I wasn't. I just wasn't sure about the Batman book. I think his run at the start with Joker War was like way more exciting than Tom King's run. Not not putting Tom King down at all, but they could have done Tom King's run could have been shortened to like fifty issues, and it just I, I hate that in a weird way, right? Like there's the nightmare sequence where none of it happened for ten issues. Essentially, none of it happened, and it's like I get it. It's long drawn out storytelling, but you know. And then James Tinney gets on the book, and it's a one eighty. It's all action. It, to me, it was very eighties. There's all these new villains showing up. It's just just gangbusters every issue was fun it was night and day for me and I, I i kid you not i really was not feeling it when they announced him on that book and i read it and was like i'm so, i was so wrong like so mm-hmm. wrong on it you know my guess um 
to step backwards a little bit, I really liked the next Batman. I thought that first issue was fantastic for uh, Future State. That was really, really good. Um, I thought the Arkham Knights backup, the final backup story was probably the weakest of the bunch. But that's why it was in the back of the book, I think. you know, I think the one negative of that book is it's $8 cover price, and it's every two weeks. That's slightly brutal to me. You know, Again, I'm, I'm very conscious of people's budgets because, again, we're a luxury expense. People have real-world shit right now, like rent and food, and maybe they're not working as much. And I feel like you, know, uh, you, you want to add value to comic books. You don't want people feeling like they're getting ripped off, like – I've seen this so much over like the last 30 something years of comic books where guys will get into the, get into comic books and it's, it's the honeymoon phase and you're all gung ho for it and everything like that. And then, you know, books are happening every two weeks and then you're like, Hey man, I got to double up my habit here. And then something happens where you don't like it and it burns people out so quick. And again, very like self-limiting behavior. We don't need to burn the audience. If we treat the audience well, provide great entertainment to them Provide in a package that's that's good, that has value. You feel like you're you, you don't feel like you're overpaying ever. Like I mean, you know, like like Thor. As much as I like Thor, I read that book in like seven to ten minutes, and it's like, man, that's to be fair too quick. You know, like uh, I was talking about in the shop today. Like when I was a kid a million years ago, it took me like half hour to read a comic book because they were wordy as hell. You know, and you never felt like you never felt like you lost on that. It was just like, man, it was. It was good entertainment. It was worth your twenty-five cents or whatever it was back then. You know, um, <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't complain too much. Books are what four or five dollars on average right yeah. now, and and you know, it's like any any media consumer product, right? You want people to feel like they're getting good value for their money they're spending. That's really tough with some of these comic books for me right now. Well, alluding to what you said about the small uh, publishing companies, AWA boom, you're right. They killed it in 2020, hoping for a great 2021. But going also into what you said about DC and Marvel, why do you think they're doing things the way that they are in terms of all these tie-ins, some of these expensive books, some of these mm-hmm. stories kind of being dry? Like, why mm-hmm. do you think, like, you know what I mean? Some of it is it's just like it's like inherited learned behavior. This is how it was in the '90s, which is a long time ago now, which doesn't feel that long ago because we were all there, right? But it's a that's a dog's age now. And the the big summer event was a very '90s to me, and they have not gotten out of that. Like they they've never been punished for producing too much because more most people will buy this stuff out of like fear of missing out, which is not a good incentive to get people to buy books. I feel yeah, exactly right, like. Again, you want people you want people to come to it like, hey, I can't wait to read this. Not like, oh my god, I can't, I don't want to miss that. It's it's just like the other side of the coin to me, you know. Um, but it's tough. I mean, like you know, Disney is to be fair, super corporate. Time Warner, AT and T, DC is very corporate. They're looking to sell IP to as many people as they possibly can. And I think like all the other discussions get lost in the weeds a little bit for them. They they don't want to know the details too much. If if the sales numbers are solid. I don't think they notice the other problems. And, and to be sure, like success covers up a lot of problems for everybody. But, um, you know, and I think like to some degree, Disney is more of a movie studio right now, right? Like their plans, like you saw the rollout for the Star Wars properties and all the Marvel TV shows are coming to Disney Plus was about, I'll be scientific here, a million times better than their plans for comic books they announced in 2021. Mm-hmm. It was like comic books were a complete afterthought. Mm-hmm. And, and I get it. The movies are making a billion dollars. Everybody's tuning into Disney Plus. But it's like, you know, the comic books are the IP farm. That's where the IDs are being generated. They're creating a, a ton of great content. The artwork is being used for the films. The looks are coming from there. 
you, you gotta you gotta service like two distinct markets, two different masters, and and there's probably some weird corporate synergy bullshit worked in there as well. Um, but you know, they're corporate they're corporations working on corporate focus, which is like you know, we could all whine about stuff as much as we want and, and they'll say they hear us, but they'll only really notice if sales dwindle. Yeah. If and I tell you all the time, like if you don't like a book, get off that book. So I don't order it because they notice my numbers go down and then it becomes an issue. Yeah. That's I mean, that one day when they dropped twenty, thirty different little individual pieces of news, and you're right, yeah. nothing on books. No. Of course they're taking from the IP. You know, they're yeah. ta- they're getting um what's her name? Um America Fernandez or whatever. She's gonna be in a yeah. new like like movie or TV show. So it's like recent IP, yeah. you know, and they have the Miles Morales video game. And they're gonna have, mm-hmm. I think they're gonna do like into the Spider-Verse 2 or whatever. Like they're taking from recent IP mm-hmm. over the last 15, 20 years. But do you see anything from the last five years, like you know, maybe from the rebirth and on in DC or Marvel or anything that's gonna that can, you know honestly become a tv show or a movie like do you ever see batman who laughs in a really really cgi'd movie or tv show you know i i wouldn't put it past them uh i i think the the one thing you, you like you mentioned like america chavez i think it's chavez, oh, chavez. But, uh, sorry yeah chavez. these are diverse characters that speak to a non-white audience and that's very important like I mean, the Miles Morales thing is, I love that character mm-hmm. that came out very organically out of Ultimate Spider-Man. And people were, I remember people being really grumpy about it. And came out, I was like, ah, oh, was a black Spider-Man. And, and you know, we would joke, like, he's black and Puerto Rican, dude. It's fine. Don't sweat it, you know. But <laughs> not every character is for you. Um, you know, like, I'm Korean. When I was a kid, there's no Korean characters in comic books. You want to see someone that looks like you to some degree. I know that's a tough thing to talk about. And for a lot of white folks, that makes no difference because everybody looks like them in general, right? Just to be very gentle about it. But if you're, if you're a black kid and you like Mr. Terrific, like that, that dude, your jam, cause that guy's awesome. You need heroes like that. Like you need black lightning, you know, you need stuff like that. You need Luke Cage, people that audiences can relate to because it's not just, there's not just one audience out there. It needs to be very diverse. So I think to be, kind of snarky i think every diverse thing is going to get its airtime and be developed in some way shape or form because the audience is there they're hungry for it and sure they'll they'll piss off a bunch of people but it will be nothing compared to the the audience that it's made for being so happy to see something they can really resonate with mm-hmm. really relate to yeah. i think that's way more powerful than a couple people going like well that's not my spider-man they like, well, cool peter parker's still being published for you dude <laughs> you're not losing anything yeah you know, but um, like Strange Academy, we I think we talked about when the book launched. That to me read Disney Disney Plus TV show times a thousand. You know, yes. it was just mm-hmm. so set up for that. That'd be um, awesome. And the idea, the idea is fantastic, right? It's Harry Potter times the X Men school, and and I love that dumb book because I love Doctor Strange. He's my main Marvel guy. Um, nice. But I think we'll see a lot more diversity. It'll feel forced, but it won't be. It's just about time some of this stuff happened. It's it's you know again, it'll be something there'll be lots of griping about. But you have to remind people, like, it's not just all about you, folks. There's plenty of other people out there. No entertainment is disappearing for you. There'll be plenty of options for everybody. Yeah. I showed a coworker. He's Vietnamese. He's almost 50. I think he turns 50 this year. And I showed oh him. God. I showed him a. next week. No way. Yes way. <laughs> no, no way. Uh, hey, he's, he, uh, he looks a lot older than you. That's crazy. But, uh, but anyways, he. I showed him the end of um, one of the Batman books, the most recent ones, and I said, "Hey, like, look at this new character, this clown hunter kid. Uh, mm-hmm. Look at the like, look at the name." And he goes, 
Bao Fem. Vietnamese character? I said, yeah, dude, that's have you ever he goes, I have never seen he obviously he's not a comic book reader, but you know, he knows mm-hmm. Superman, he knows Batman. He goes, I have sure. never seen um a Vietnamese character in any kind of like that type of book. He goes, That is awesome. So yeah, right. so, so anything like that, like obviously I don't think he went to a local comic book store and picked up, you know, the <laughs> sure. latest issue of Batman, but just to get that reaction, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's I think that's exactly what it is. I mean, you know, that's there's a re- there's a reason why there's like forty flavors of Coke, you know. Everybody has to have their version of Coke. It's a, kind of the same argument to me. You know, there's a, there's a million beers in the world. There's a million everything. It's it's not diminishing things by adding more options. It's it's just adding more opportunity for some people to, to enjoy this thing, you know? Comic books is a weird hobby. It's a weird hobby, man. And there's speaking... involved, you know, it's it's weird. Speaking of Bao Fam, I kind of want to touch on that subject. I'm glad that I picked up Annual a week late, but that was actually a pretty, you know, Mike and Sean talked about it in last episode, how it was a great, you know, backstory about how Bao Fam became kind of the guy who he is, right? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking that with that story, how good it was going by Tynion, you talked about how I think it switched up so much after the King story and or the King run, but... That, mm-hmm. That's my whole gripe right now, you know, with the whole what we're talking about, about the oversaturation and uh, tie ins and whatnot. Like if tie ins run and all this is going on and it's like, I mean, to me, I feel like it's so good with Punchline and, and, you know, Clown Hunter and everything. Why, you know, why stop it for two months just to like put in this like future state and then it's going to come back as a uh, infinite or uh, whatever, I, whatever it was going to be called. I forget. I uh, can't think of it right now. Infinite, infinite frontier. frontier. But, yeah. uh, you know, my question, why? Why even just stop it for two months when the story, in my opinion, was going so good? You know, that and detective, in my opinion, are going pretty good right now. And you know, stop it. I don't know why. Right. No, you, when you stop a book or you pause a book like that, it gives people the opportunity to basically quit. And, and, and that does not help, you know. And I know it's coming. It's coming. It's coming back once a month. I think it's not going to be by or every by weekly now. In my uh, from what I, it'll be monthly. Yeah, so it'll you're, be so monthly. You're, yeah. you're taking away like my fate. One of my favorite stories, obviously, you know, ongoing right now. Just to put in this, like, I, I'm not reading Future State. Mike is. I don't know how much Sean's going to be doing it, but I kind of just going to give myself a break from the whole DC. It's like, here they are trying their gimmicks again and all that. It's just, I I don't understand why I do it. I I was happy with the Tynion story and how it's going. Yeah. And and surprise, surprise, I I took the bait, (laughs) but, but you know what? Some of these stories are good. Um, but I'm going to say one thing. Um, Mm-hmm. Alex, do you do you like like the side stories? Now the new Batman, I did enjoy some of the side stories, but then the side stories in like Superman, the new, Superman and Metropolis, we get like a regular twenty-five to forty-page issue, which was a good issue, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden I get a Mister Miracle story, and I get like one more story, which is cool because it's like in the world of Jonathan Kent, mm-hmm. kind of putting Metropolis in the bottle, like a like like Brainiac would bottling mm-hmm. the, the the city. When I closed the book, I I would have rather have uh, of that been the Wonder Woman story of a 25, 30 page Yara Floor story for three ninety nine, which I thoroughly enjoyed. That was a great issue one. I'm I'm mad that that's only two issues and not you know three or four. But yeah, I didn't right. really you know again here here I am you know getting this book for six bucks and I I don't like the the little side little stories. I want it to be strictly 
Jonathan Kent is the new Superman. That's all I want to see in future state. Yeah, that I, I was just that. It's funny that I was talking to somebody else about that uh, today because he he had a similar comment and and I said you know to be to be fair I actually prefer that they're putting the backup stories in the books now they're going to increase the pages to forty pages per issue um, and they're going to what it's going to be forty just once a month forty pages you get your twenty two page main uh, twenty two page main story and then the rest is going to be uh, essentially value added and i i have to say i like that they're putting the backup in there um, and then you said it was like five dollars a month so people who subscribe to the yeah. uh detective flash and batman would still save three dollars a month instead of getting right, yeah, two we four dollar yeah. issues yeah yes but but it's tough right like i mean when when batman and detective went bi-weekly i had lots of batman guys go hey i love this because i get a batman book every week and i said that's cool I read more than just Batman, so I always feel like I'm I'm behind in catching up on Batman constantly because it's weak, it's just goddamn weekly, and it, I know it's it's tough to complain about that. It's like you know ordering a, a large pizza and they deliver it extra large. You should just shut up about it, right? To some degree, like, <laughs> but but it's like you know I I do like the backup stories because like for example, um, I remember telling somebody at DC like a year ago. You know, I, I sell like ten copies of the Nightwing, and I loved it, Grayson. I actually love that character. That's my Robin. But I sell 10 copies. If you put him as a backup and detective, I'm suddenly selling like 60, 65 copies of an issue. And that readership just goes up like crazy. Now they, they don't have to read Nightwing, but the exposure is way bigger. And if you want to grow these characters and get them in front of more people so they're known, because these are kind of C or B or C, B level characters, then maybe like, you again, when I was a kid in the 70s, you typically had a, a comic book that had, that had the backup for the side characters. And, you know, I would like, elongated man was in the back of detective and so if you liked ralph dibney you know you made sure you you picked that up and you could follow that story too there was like the two parts and so it's tough i mean it's it's not current behavior for comic books to, to provide like a main an a story and a b story and a c story and kind of cram it that way but it's very old school how it was in the 60s and 70s and i like the nostalgia of the comic books the, the hobby i like that it's a kind of a throwback to that i know it doesn't work for everybody but i think like if if people check out these books and they they're happy to comment to marvel and dc on social media and tell them what's working and what's not working dc and marvel can fully listen to the customers remix it a little bit and make sure they put the the best again the best value in front of the customer for these books make sure everybody wins mm-hmm. you know, it's still like we can like like again like that girl great character i that book doesn't sell anything but they want to keep a book on the stands because they want that character to be out in the public realm she's you know but it's like man put in a book that sells very well there, there's there's very clever people available at both companies that can figure this out better than I could with their own IP and, and put it together. So it works yeah. for everybody, you know? Yeah. I wanted, I wanted to get you on uh, to like, one of the main things I wanted to have you talk about is the infinite frontier coming up mm-hmm. in a few months at the beginning of March. Um, can you yes. please explain just so we didn't miss anything? Cause from what I read, you know, the books are decreasing, going down to a certain number, everything's yeah. going to once a month and stuff. So just kind of basically coming out of future state, what can we expect from infinite frontier? Cause we got a little bit of it on in, in death metal number seven. Yeah. I think what I think DC is going to 27 regular monthly books. And I think it's seven or nine black labels, you know, black labels, it's own vertigo thing. And so I appreciate that. Again, that's like adult entertainment, not for everybody. But going to contracting down to 27 titles, which they had, you know, 52 books when New 52 launched in 2011, 
it's too much. Uh, it, it, I think it spreads out their talent too much. I think it'd be better to like, like most things focus, concentrate on what the good things are and, and double down on that. So I appreciate that they're kind of cutting down. If you wanted to buy, like if you want, if you're a big DC guy or a big Marvel guy and they contract, you can buy more of those books and feel like you're participating in more of that universe. Um, but it's tough. I mean, people are, we're all creatures of habit. People are very much in the habit of, you know, being, being able to grab what they want. And, and for most people, the last, 10, 15 years, more has been better for most folks. But I, I feel, I always feel like, man, let's scale it back, provide better value. Um, the infinite frontier thing, my understanding is uh, basically they're, they want the ability to not be beholden to continuity. So you can say like the killing joke still happened and death in the family still happened because, you know, Jason Todd was killed, but we don't want to, you know, you know, some minor thing happened in, in another issue. We don't want to be beholden to that because we want to be able, the, the first thing we want to do is be able to tell good stories. Now I've had a lot. I've heard a lot of people complain, like, "Oh, they they can't really throw out their continuity. They're throwing their history." It's like, yes and no. It's like, it's like we all like baseball. You can, we all like the history of baseball, but we're not constantly going backwards to enjoy the sport today. We'll we'll cite some statistics and stuff, but we all. But it's always like, well, the, the season was shorter, and blah blah blah. And so we we always chip at that argument ourselves when we talk about the past because it it does not equal out today. And, and you know, people want they want the things they read to have uh, value and, and, and that they really happen in comic books. So they don't want to lose that history. But when you constantly just look backwards at history, I, again, I find it very self-limiting to do that when they could tell great stories that fit in be, between the cracks somewhere. For example, Marvel's been doing this for years, probably eight or nine years now, where they're, they've rebooted their continuity softly a couple of times to make shit feel a little easier for them. Then they're still holding to some continuity. But they're kind of reforging some of their new continuity. Some of it's to make it fit, like in the movie universe to some degree, because they've added some of the movie universe continuity to the comic books, like with Agent Coulson and how S.H.I.E.L.D. is set up. And you never hear anybody gripe about it on the Marvel side, because Marvel's been very loose with it for the longest time, especially when it comes to the movies, which is most people's first exposure to this stuff. But DC never gets a break on it, I feel. And they try so hard. They're trying like so hard to get their books in front of people. And they it's like they can't win on whatever they do. And it's like, man, can we just... I know it's tough to, to like let go of continuity, but can we just do it for a little bit? Try it out, see how it works. We might get some good stories out of it, man. And again, like the whole point is to have good stories, good entertainment for us. I know you can't really say much on Infinite Frontier in terms of the reaction for uh, the mm -hmm. people that do go into Treasure Island comics. But in regards to Future State, what reaction have you gotten? Like in terms of, have you been selling a lot? Have you had like a lot of interaction with any of the people that come in? Like how their opinions are. Yeah, um, most guys are pretty soft on it, to be fair. Um, but I also did not oversell it to anybody. I said, look, to be fair, like this is a lot like Convergence a couple of years ago where they're going to throw like this is a uh, future state is like a lot of Elseworld stuff, right? Like essentially, I mean, if you read the end of uh, Death Metal, the world is Elseworld, the, the main prime Earth now. So they want to be able to tell stories from all over the place. Um, I told a lot of guys, I think that the major books will be the Justice League book, the Yara Floor book, and the next Batman book with uh, with Ridley, because those are the ones getting all the hype. Those are the ones doing the most probably provocative things with the characters, because they're diverse takes on Wonder Woman and Batman. And a lot of it feels, frankly, like filler for me. And I have a hard time pushing that on to people. And I kept telling people when I was ordering the books, like, I'm not going to be ordering these books very heavy. We all got... Um, kind of burnt on Convergence, and this feels a lot like the sequel to Convergence in terms of sales. It's just a two-month event where they paused every regular book like Mark was talking about. And, you know, you pause those books, and a lot of guys go, you know what? I'm, I, thanks for the break. 
when it comes back, I think I'm off that book now. You know, it's easy to keep up the momentum when the book's coming out, but you give people a moment of pause and people will reevaluate uh, their, their feelings about that. Like when, when Mulan didn't happen theatrically and Disney said, okay, we're going to put it out for 30 bucks for like exclusive access, 30 bucks let you think about it for a second. And you went, you know what? I'll pass for most, right? But if it was 20 bucks, I don't think anybody would have thought about it. It has <laughs> just done the damn thing, you know? So it's tough. Um, but I tell people like, you know, I told people like, I'm not going to order those books very heavy. If you want it, make sure you let me know. I'll make sure you get a copy for sure. But I'm not going to speculate and, and go crazy on these books thinking like something could blow up. I'm, that's not a risk any retailer should be taking with comic books this year and last year. It's, it's there's a bad market and bad economy out there. People are limited. Some people still won't leave the house. I, you know, my mail order business is, again, beefed up like crazy because some guys are like, I'd rather you just mail me books. I'm like, that's cool. Can do. I, I feel you completely on that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they're just, you know, get away from continuity and trying to open it up. I hope, I hope it's successful because we could always use more eyes in this hobby. It, it's, you know, it, it can't just, we can't just let it go off and to become movies only, movies and cartoons only. You. You mentioned earlier about how Batgirl, you know, kind of just sits on the shelves or whatnot. And, you know, mm -hmm. you know, I think that we're living, you know, kind of in a world where we're going to we're getting more of these uh, female driven like superhero, at least in the sure. movies. Right. You know, Captain mm -hmm. Marvel, too. We just got word a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. that um, the Wonder Woman three is going to come out and whatnot. But right. in your opinion, like do like how do the female driven comic sell in at your store you know is it like i know catwoman's ongoing i was doing mm -hmm. the black cat and i don't know what happened marvel kind of just seemed to end that story out of nowhere and then start this uh, king in black story which i right. never got on but how do how do you rate you know like the you know the harley quinn that we got right now by the sean by sean murphy and whatnot how do you rate mm -hmm. how do you rate like the female driven uh comic books go uh sales or uh foot traffic or do you see any younger uh girls or trying to pick up these stories and whatnot what, what's your take on that yeah there, there's some young girls that get into it and they're mostly in you know, on the 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 um graphic novel side like dc marvel been doing you know graphic novels like just one and done for and that's kind of servicing the young adult market and that's been very successful it sells better in bookstores than does my store but the segment does very well um to be fair there's way more girls than men on this planet and they should fully pay attention to that audience um you know, my, my girl, my wife and my daughter are both into comic books because, you know, they're surrounded by it and they're good readers. But I, I sell a lot of comics to, to women and I'm, I'm very happy to do that. You know, you want to have a, a good, expansive audience on anything that you do. Um, again, like if you just if it, it can be very self-limiting to kind of exclude an entire segment from sales. Like that's just very mm -hmm. limiting to me. Um, I, I It's you know, I'm very biased. I I am. Exactly. There you go. Right. Exactly. Under the moon. Um, you know, like you want, you want, we want everybody to participate, you know, for a long time, it was a, a boys club for creators and readers completely it was all for males. The end. Um, again, it's, there's no negative having your girl read comic books. You know, I got my wife, uh, she loves Neil Gaiman. We read all the novels and back then I got her started on the same man comic book and you know, at first, like, oh, I couldn't read comic book. I don't know how to read comic books. Like, you read just like a regular book. It's not a, it's a, <laughs> it's not a mysterious thing. But, but there's a weird, it was like a, a secret, you know, for a long time. Like, comic books were a secret. And it's like, man, that doesn't, it's cool if you're in the club, but it doesn't help at all if you're not in the club. And this club can have a lot more membership, you know. But I, I do see a lot of women 
Uh, I appreciate it. I, I love getting a perspective on stuff because it's obviously not my natural perspective and you want to be able to hear comments from everybody, make sure I carry the, make sure I'm carrying stuff for some folks that I maybe wouldn't normally carry. Um, it's good. It's very good in general. Like I, I love bringing home comments from my wife and my daughter. It's, it's always good, you know? Yeah. My daughter just turned three in December. So I'm, you know, as you know, I'm getting her the little golden yes. books so far because Love she knows, because she knows this, it's a small world and she knows 101 Dalmatians. Mm-hmm. But man, like that day that I bring her home, her first Wonder Woman comic or her first, mm-hmm. you know, Harley Quinn comic or whatever it's going to be. I can't wait for her to get into it. I hope she gets into it because I'm, you know, because it could go either way. Yeah. She could be more into yeah. Barbies and other uh, and other things and not comic books. But, you know, I'm sure as hell going to try with both my kids, you know? No, for sure. I mean, you know, like I, I never push the comics. I, I, uh, I like, I like organic pushing, right? So I let my, my, I'm always reading. So I let my daughter say, I'm always reading. It's like, yeah, you know, you can read a comic book if you like. I would never push it on her. I just wanted her to kind of be curious about it. Cause if you're curious about a comic, you pick it up, you can't lose. There's going to be, it, it usually will grab you if you're interested, right? If it's a character you, you're interested in, like, so Again, I mean, we need as many eyes and hands on this as possible. Uh, you know, we, we want to grow this. We want this business to stick around. It can't be niche marketed. I mean, the fact that we get all these movies and TV shows is, is an example that it's very mainstream. So let's let's make sure we service everybody. There's, yeah. you know, good times to be had by everybody. Because you would think that, you know, with the pandemic, a lot of people are at home. They have oh, yeah. more of an opportunity to either buy them online or go into a shop that's open. And then with all of these... All, especially the MCU since 2008, you would think that, you know, thousands of people would watch a movie and say, Hey, you know what, man, I wonder how the comic books were or whatever. I wonder what the first appearance of this person was or whatever. And they want to go back and read like an old story or even get into the current story of a black Panther or a Spider-Man or, you know, or a Hulk or whatever. Yeah. I mean, you would think that the sales would be be skyrocketing just based off of that, of the money that they make off the movies. And now Mm -hmm. Disney plus is going to make money hand over foot with this. And what uh, the success that Netflix did with the, you know, Punisher and, and, and daredevil and those shows, it's crazy how it's not, it doesn't seem to line up, you know? Yes. Yes. No, it's, it's, the hobby is huge, right? Like even, I remember being at DC years ago and they showed like a big uh, engagement wheel, basically. I forget the real term, some marketing thing. And it's like, I think for them it was 26 points you could get on into comic books. It could be pajamas. It could be merchandise. It could be toys. It could be a video game. It could be comic books, a movie. They, they, they don't really care which, what your entry point is. They just want you to be on at least, I think six or more of them. And they feel they've got a good customer at that point. And, that makes a lot of sense, right? There's many different ways you can engage with it. Like, like for football, we could, we all have our teams. Some years you watch a team more than others. Uh, there's gear to buy. There's things to do, you know, hats to rep, jerseys to rep. They, they don't care what you're buying as long as you buy a couple of things, I think, right? They're very happy. And, and they, they rely on us to rep your team, have that pride in your team. And, you know, they're, they're just making money off all. I mean, it's, it's money. This whole thing is money driven. And they need to, you want to have as a larger audience as possible. Well, you definitely aren't lying. Everything seems to be money driven. Uh, in regards to the entertainment side, I guess, obviously still talking heroes and villains. Mm-hmm. I know you said earlier, you really don't watch too much TV, but in terms of yeah, maybe really. shows that have caught your eye or even movies, is there anything that you're looking forward to the Snyder cut, any of these new upcoming movies? <laughs> Did you happen to watch uh, wonder woman? Uh, guess your sure opinion on the entertainment side. Yeah, I, I like the movies in general. I always have a hard time when they're like heavy remixes because I feel like, why did you remix it? No one knows the difference except for us. 
you know, like the new audience, you could have given them, you could have given them the OG version of things and they would have just bought it hook, line and sinker as opposed to remixing it for a new audience. Um, so that, that's always a little weird to me. I, it used to really drive me crazy. And, and sometimes adaptation is good and sometimes it's not. Um, like again, I, I liked Wonder Woman a lot. I appreciate all the streaming stuff that they're putting out there because it's, it's neat. Like I have not watched The Boys, but I love the comic book. I haven't watched Umbrella Academy, but I love that comic book. Um, I am watching Chilling the Adventures of Sabrina. I got to say, I love that show. That's <laughs> fantastic. Hail State. Nice. Love that show. Um, the cast is hilarious. It's great. Uh, Eric turned me on to that. I didn't think I was going to like it, and we ended up just loving that show. So we're in, the, we're in season three right now because we, we put it off a little bit last year because season four just started. So like, let's just wrap this up and get it over with. And like, I'm rewatching The Clone Wars with my girls right now because after we finished Mandalorian, they had lots of questions. I was like, look, you know, there's a thing that kind of addresses most of this already. So we've been enjoying that. That's been fun. So what's your opinion? Um, we talked about it a few weeks ago, but we haven't obviously haven't had you on. So as far as the big blockbuster ones that have been put on Disney Plus and, and um, you know, and, and HBO Max, like, did you like Wonder Woman? Did you like Soul? Um, like Sean alluded to, or, like, are you excited for the Snyder Cut? You know, like, like all these big things that are coming out, like, like, will you watch them, obviously? And then did you like yeah. them? I uh, I liked Soul a lot. I think the perspective was very whitewashed. And I hate to put it that way, but it was very easy perspective for a black film. And I don't know how to put that in the right words, but it was very easy. Um, that being said, it didn't bother me. I was talking to some friends and I, I heard their complaints and I, and I get it right. Like the film takes place in Harlem, but you couldn't tell it's Harlem. Uh, I've been to Harlem. That was, that was weird. It was uh, a very nice side of Harlem. <laughs> yeah. You know, and it's, you know, like uh, I had a customer, he was telling me, you know, he, he liked Coco. They put out Coco and it, it celebrated Latino culture like crazy. Not a compl- Again, not complaining, but then you get to Seoul and it doesn't really celebrate too much of black culture in general, right? It, it talks about it, but it didn't show a lot. We got some jazz out of it, but it was good. Um, I think, you know, obviously Tina Fey is a white woman. I think a lot of the film was kind of bent to showing it, uh, to, to explaining things to fit that perspective in a weird way. But I didn't have any of these thoughts while watching it. It was just, it came about in, uh, in to discuss it with customers and friends, like getting their perspectives on it. And it was very interesting because again, I did not have the perspective while watching it, but then you hear it and it's like, yeah, I could, I could see why you'd be disappointed. It didn't celebrate more of that. You know, um, I liked Wonder Woman. I understand why people don't like it. I thought it was uh, about as good as Captain Marvel, not to put Captain Marvel down. I didn't think it was as good as Wonder Woman part one, which is, I thought was just phenomenal. That film made me cry in the middle with the, the, the No Man's Land thing. So any movie mm-hmm. makes me cry. It's ridiculous. Um, I thought the third act was incredibly weak. The, the resolution to ending Maxwell Lord with the Dream Son I thought was very, very like facile and, and kind of simple. Um, I thought it was a bit of a disservice to the audience to make it so easy to wrap that up. But it, I kind of felt that way about Wonder Woman 1 with the end fight is, you're not really worried about, there's no tension in that fight. You know, they're going to blow up a bunch of shit, but I'm not worried about Diana in that fight. I know she's going to win because she's Diana and she's in Justice League later and I'm not stupid, right? So, <laughs> Hold um, on here. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, when you watch Star Wars prequels and you're like, I, I want to get upset for Anakin and Obi-Wan, but I just can't because I'm pretty sure I they're going to be okay in a weird way, you know? <laughs> um, you might survive uh, this one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's more drama in this Clone Wars cartoon with Anakin than, than there is in the movies. I love, I love the cartoon version of that guy, that character. But, uh, but the, the movies are good. I, 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 I get why people are upset, but it's like, man, if this is, I think 2020 gave everybody like a hypercritical lens to look through, and it's just so easy to pu- pull apart everything because there's nothing else going on, and the general mood is pretty damn grumpy for most folks lately, and so it's very easy to kind of just tear things down. And 
it's our pastime as Americans to tear things down that we don't like and be very public about it. So um, I'm looking forward to the streaming stuff coming up. I, I, I'm one of those few people that does kind of like the, the Zack Snyder version of the DC universe. I like his version. I know it's not for everybody, um, but I think it's like a weird Elseworlds where we get this very hardcore version of the DC universe. And I, I like it. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciate it's kind of made more for adults. I wish Marvel would do a similar thing, like with the Netflix shows, which are definitely not cool for Disney Plus. I believe they won't be showing there ever because Disney doesn't want anything to, on there that's not accessible for children. But again, you don't need everything accessible for everything. There is an audience for adults. It doesn't mean it has to be super vulgar or, or crass, but sometimes you want like an adult beverage. Sometimes you want an adult comic book movie. And I think that's A-OK and it's not a big deal. It shouldn't be a big deal. Yeah, um, I think I think people who like the I think people who like the Justice League. I mean, I'm sorry, the Snyder cut of Batman v Superman. If they like this, the Snyder cut of Watchmen, I think they're going to love this, yeah. you know, yeah. I, so. I mean, he's a he's a divisive filmmaker, too. Right. He, he's he got lots of people grumpy. Um, I think he's a bit of an obje- objectivist and he puts some of that stuff in there. The power struggle stuff is, uh, speaks to that. But I think his visuals are great. He's a great visual sense director. I love his weird speed ramping he does on the action stuff like you saw a lot in 300. Um, I do think the Snyder cut of Batman versus Superman is far superior to the actual cut because it, it just it joins the dots so much better for everybody. There's a lot of guessing when you watch the actual cut. And I'm more of a DC guy than a Marvel guy. I've always been a Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman kind of guy first. Um, so I, I'd like to see that take. I know it's again, it's not for everybody, but I, I hope it's just like a weird, a weird Elseworlds where it's just a pocket universe and it's okay to have these, you know, the multiverse. It's okay to have a different take in the multiverse. You know, you had it in Star Trek with the the mirror universe where he gets a goatee and is evil. You know, you, you get it in other Star Trek where the you know like Discovery's got the mirror universe going on. Um, Marvel's toyed with it, the multiverse and the Spider-Man films, talking about it in the last theatrical one, definitely showing it to you in the cartoon one, Into the Spider-Verse. So people get the multiverse thing. They understand it leads to different takes. And I think it's very liberating, again, to open that up and, and give a different take that works maybe for – appeals to different groups. And, and, and sometimes there's a weird curiosity. Like I would like this – like if they did Batman Red Rain, right, which they probably would never do. It's like I would like to see a Batman version uh, – a vampire version of Batman or – they did Red Sun as a live action film where you saw a Soviet oh. Superman. That would be fantastic for That'd me. That'd be dope. Yeah. You know? Like, like if they go into a multiverse kind of thing, I'm just spitballing here. They have to do, like, I'm talk. I, I, I'm excited for this six-issue miniseries of the Crime Syndicate. If they made a oh, live yeah. action Crime Syndicate, oh, dude, where they had, you know, whoever it is, Henry Cavill, he can be Ultraman, sure. and then he can also yeah. be Superman. Because it's yeah. 2021. You can do that shit. And you can have yeah, Ben yeah, Affleck exactly. be, you can have him be Owlman and Batman. Dude, yeah. that would be so cool. And I like, by the way, I like Ben Affleck as Batman. He's so Frank Miller to me. I love that take. Not, I, I'm sure the, Robert Pattinson is going to be good, but I love Ben Affleck as yeah. Batman. He's definitely not the worst, <laughs> George Clooney. Oh, oh no. No, it's, like, it's funny. It's like the first announced the Batman film with Robert, Robert, Robert Pattinson. I was not really feeling that. When they showed that first trailer, I was like, holy shit, I was super wrong on that one. That trailer is fantastic, man. Well, especially if it's supposed to be like year two, you know, he's supposed yeah, to look yeah. a little younger and stuff. So, you know, and then and then hopefully because it's all man, I, I just don't like the speculation of like, why do I have questions? And I know it's based off history and, and, and like what I see people talk about. But like, why don't people have questions about the quality of WandaVision? Um, 
Winter Soldier and Hawkeye and Loki. Why don't people have questions about that? But they have questions on, oh, well, is the GCPD prequel on HBO Max going to be good? Oh, I wonder if Snyder Cut's going to be good. I wonder if this going to be good. Like, oh, man, I hate that there are so many questions about the DC stuff compared to the and, and and to me it's it's strictly movies because the TV shows that the DC universe put out Titans Doom Patrol even Swamp Thing that one season all fantastic but why the movies I, I mean I know because sometimes the quality is it's hit or miss but man it's it makes me frustrated being a DC guy as well well I think I think like to some degree the DC characters are a little more well known by and large with the exception of a few characters like I me mean, everybody knows Wolverine everybody knows Spider Man but. Marvel has always played pretty loose with it when it comes to the movies. And so people haven't, it just has, they've been very consistent. And, and to be fair, I think, I think like every Marvel movie has made a, a jillion dollars each movie. Right. So if they're that successful, they're, they're obviously not having too many problems, but people do get a little, a little more uh, picky with the DC movies. And I think it's because like, you know, when Superman happens, it's like, well, that's not my Superman, you know, when it was Henry Cavill. And it's like, sure. You know, but like we all go back to the Christopher Reeves take on Superman, which is awesome. Again, not complaining about it, but even in that first film, it, that film tells you, like, starts off with the, the, the movie theater, the screen pulls up, and, you know, it gives you the old-timey Superman stuff, where he, you know, he can leap over tall buildings in a single bound, he doesn't fly, and then the movie starts with Chris Reeve, it goes to live action, and we meet him as a boy, go, gets older, goes to Metropolis, when he gets to Metropolis, first time it's changed, there's no phone booth, he runs and changes in the rotating doors, which is this visual signal Hey, we're remixing Superman. We're changing Superman right now. But no one got upset about it because it was it was clever and organic. They didn't beat you over the head with it. So they remixed it right there. But you were in on the remix and it felt okay. So there's a weird, like a fine line to make sure people are accepting because it's not, it's like, you know, change happens in gradual steps. You make big swings one way or the other and you tend to lose people uh, on, on both sides. But I mean, Marvel, like I said, so much goodwill built up with Marvel. And to be fair, the majority of the films are pretty damn solid. I think for me personally, the 22, six are probably tremendous. The rest, a lot of them are middling. Okay, not, not the best, not the worst. And only a couple are really terrible for me. You know, like Thor 2, The Dark World is just garbage for me. And I love Thor. He's one of my favorite characters. I hate that film. Like nothing happens in that film except for special effects. There's no consequence. And at the end, nothing happens. It's like everything's undone. It's like, great. We, the two hours, mm-hmm. what if? Like, <laughs> but whatever, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I don't wanna complain about the dark world every time, but I usually do. I pick on that film every time, uh, but it's tough, right? I mean, like, you know, people have very static ideas about Superman and Batman, right? Like Superman can't kill people. Like when, when, you know, Man of Steel came out and he and Zod fight in Grand Central Station, basically, you know, and, and he, he kills Zod. I remember a guy at the shop was like, how come they couldn't just fight in outer space and keep it away from people? It's like, did you not watch? They were, they just were in outer space and Zod knocked them back down to earth. It's like, you know, they literally just did that. He's kind of trying to show you there's no option. And also Superman always kills Zod every time. It's his function. And mm-hmm. Superman has killed characters, just like Batman has killed characters. But people forget that Batman has killed characters. Like the whole Batman who doesn't like the gun is kind of a recent invention, mostly around the 80s with like year one and stuff where it became this big deal, you know. And before that, it really wasn't a big deal. Like Batman's probably not going to shoot you, but he has. You know, especially in the early, early stuff, he went around with two pistols like the shadow. It, it's a very different character. That's crazy because one of my first stories I read was was um, uh, Nightfall, and in mm-hmm. like the second volume, when when it's Azrael, when when he becomes you know Azrael, mm-hmm. you know he has 
you know, these weapons and that weapon. And he keeps saying, even though he doesn't have the gun, he keeps saying that, you know, he reiterates, like, I don't use the guns. I I, I can do this mm-hmm. without it. Like, that's crazy that you say that. And that was like, what, the early 90s, right? Nightfall. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, and, and, and Batman, to be fair, has, has been like James Bond, where there's been a lot of generational reboots to that character. So each time you change the character, we're like, ah, we've done that already, right? Superman has not been changed too much. And so you make a change to Superman, people have feelings, and that's legit. Um, Spider-Man, you know, they gave him the organic web shooters, and people really didn't bat an eye at that, which I thought was kind of funny because I don't mind it being organic. That's like Spider-Man 2099, Miguel O'Hara. But part of Peter Parker's appeal is he's a, he's a genius kid. He invents that thing himself and does it for himself. And they kind of removed, they took that thing away from him in the films. And that's, that's a really weird change to me on a level. Because it kind of diminishes his his intelligence, and he's supposed to be one of the brightest guys in the, the Marvel universe. So yeah. uh, that's weird. It's remix, man. Remixes sometimes they put the wrong beat on the remix, and it just sucks. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. And talking about weird change, ladies and gentlemen, comic booky fans, you are listening to the soothing sounds of Alex, the <laughs> owner of Treasure Island Comics in Fremont, California, uh, the home of our sponsor. Uh, we'd like to get into a little bit of sports with this guy. We we uh, oh yeah, he, he is he is one of our interviewers that uh, um, that we do that loves sports just as much as us. And his team has uh, just recently lifted the trophy. Look at Sean over there uh, in disbelief, <laughs> in dismay. But no disbelief uh, <laughs> though. And his Rams are on the way too, going to Green Bay this oh my weekend. God. Alex, if, if there's anything else you want to say and kind of end it on the comic book, since, you know, you've done such a good job. We appreciate you. The fans appreciate you. If you want to end, if you have any more words on the comic side of it going forward into 2021, maybe your vision, what you hope for, for your store uh, itself and for the industry as a whole, um, go ahead and give in. We can get into some of this NBA sure. and NFL and whatnot. But yeah, thank you, man. I hope comic books gets better. It can do, it can do a better job. Everything can be improved. You know, um, myself, the shop can be improved. I'm, I'm constantly trying to tweak it. We're all pivoting towards something and trying to do better. I think a lot of people are, are doing that. Especially the logistics that seems to be giving oh, yeah. you a headache <laughs> recently. Gosh, it's just, it's uh nonstop, man. Like I'm going direct with a lot of publishers and I don't, I, I'm not angry about it. I appreciate the ability to go direct with a lot of publishers, but, uh, it, it's a, it has its own challenges to go direct with everybody, but I, you know, I want to be able to carry as much as I can for folks. So you just do what you do for business. Um, but like, I think we could do better. We could, it could, it could always be done a little bit better. I think everybody like, especially like Marvel and DC, not to go backwards with that, but pay attention to what the small publishers have been doing. They're, they're kind of beating the socks off you right now in terms of appealing to new customers. And you can't, you can't understate that they, they're really getting a lot of attention and it's deserved and it's it's earned and they they've done a great job and I, I appreciate that because it's it's awesome. And not only are they peeling the socks off some of these bigger guys, they're also taking some of their talent. Because I see a lot oh, of yeah. these bigger writers writing, you know, independently for these other publishers. And I mean, that's what's kind of boosting their, you know, their stock up mm-hmm. as well. But yeah, you that's a great point, Alex. You know, guys, I mean, well, guys that I mean, it you, it turned out 2020 t- taught a lot of people you can work for yourself actually yeah, right. yeah that's great you know like it's it's good to see more i mean like 
you know, I mean, Marvel and DC are limited again in some way. They, they don't want to do too many crazy stories with their characters, right? They, don't, they won't do that. But the independent guys will do the craziest stuff. And, and I, I really like that lately. I really do. Let's, let's talk about sports, though, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. I probably got like 20 minutes left in me. So. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into a little bit of NBA before we get in the NFL uh, you sure. know, divisional weekend. So your Lakers won today. Um, how yeah. do you like the season so far? Again, just like the NHL starting this week, it's a shortened season. Yeah. And there's still no fans in, I think, all of the arenas, I believe. There's a couple. Right. There's a couple that actually have so being postponed still. Yeah, so I'm guessing you know in the SEC country, there's you know some fans being attending these arenas. But how do you like the season so far? How much have you been watching? Are your Lakers going to repeat? I I hope they repeat. I haven't got to watch a lot of basketball because my girls do not respect the world champs. It is not happening. (laughs) But I've been watching on my phone as much as I could. Uh, I saw they won tonight. I got to watch a little bit of that game last night with Harden, which that was just garbage game. Wasn't much Uh, of a game. So disappointing. Oh, it was such a bummer to watch that, man. I mean, I appreciate the W. Thanks, guys. But that was a boring-ass game, you know. Um, I like the shorter season. I think it's, a little, again, a little more focused because they obviously they have a lot of problems getting people in and traveling and all that stuff. I thought, you know, at the end of the season last year with the bubble, that worked very, very well for the NBA. And I, I loved it because we got to have to finish the season. And at first, you know, like when, the, when March happened and, and everything shut down, like you guys, we talked about this a lot back then, right? You kind of lost track of the days of the week. There's no games going on. As soon as they brought sports back, I was like, oh, it's Tuesday because I got a game tonight. And I love that. Um, I love the baseball season, as weird as that was, watching the Dodgers win. A season where nobody got to watch, basically win, of course. <laughs> you know, um, But basketball has been cool. I, I appreciate the Lakers bu- putting the team together that they did in the postseason. I-, I think it's pretty damn solid. Anthony Davis is fantastic. LeBron had a good game tonight. I saw a little bit of that. I did get to catch the tail end of my Blackhawks, which took it in the shorts pretty hard. 5-1 on opening night by the Tampa Bay. That sucked. But I don't expect well, yeah, much out of the Blackhawks. Yeah, Blackhawks are sharks. I don't expect much out of the two teams I follow in hockey this year because they both look pretty soft to me. Um, that's a slight bummer. But I'll watch because I can't stop watching. You know, I will just beat myself up with it. Well, other yeah. than being a Blackhawks fan, we've learned that you are a big LA guy. You know, you like your yeah. Dodgers. You, of course, love uh, your Lakers. In terms of the yep. Lakers, real quick, mm-hmm. it's pretty clear they're pretty much one step above every team in every way yeah. they're they're freaking dominant do you see any reason why they can't repeat with the shortened season less back-to-backs i mean they added montrez mm-hmm. and schroeder i mean they're right, they right. last year agree and it's a shortened yeah. season there's no reason why they shouldn't be back-to-back i think we could agree well, on Bogle, that Bogle's doing a good job managing the team uh, i think there's really just no excuse for them to, to not win it i feel in a weird way right the expectations just it's like man if you it should be there. They should really be able to do it again this year. Um, you know, same thing with the Dodgers. Dodgers in great shape. I mean, there's obviously still yeah. some moves to happen before the season starts. Uh, you know, where I think our payroll is what nine, nine or ten trillion dollars, so we should be fine. You know, no um, salary cap. Why? Hey, you yeah. have the money. What? That's you know what? <laughs> Talking to some A's fans I'm right here, like a sixty million dollar payroll, <laughs> and it sucks because you know we do got some A's fans, and it's not to bash actual A's fan. But you bringing yeah. that up, do you actually have that mindset? Not even now that you're kind of seeing, like, especially the Dodgers doing it more and more. But the no salary cap, do you have that? Just, hey, if you have the money, spend it. The teams that don't want to spend it, sorry, that's on you guys. What's kind of your I, I, mindset on that? I kind of agree with you. I think we, we, you and I talked about this last year, I think, too. It's like, you know, every team has a budget, of course, but um, 
obviously the Dodgers are a very wealthy team, right? I mean, the TV deal was like $8, $8 billion or something like that. So they have money to throw around. With all that money, we still don't have to. Comic book you know? fan, $8 billion. Yeah, yeah, you know. And, but it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, LA is a, a large market team. Just like the Giants are a big market team. Yankees are a big market team. I, uh, you know, for a long time, Giants were in the top three of payroll also. So, you know, um, if you want to win, you there's a corollary where you got to pay at this point for top talent. And I'm not hating on it because big market teams are going to in a position to spend more. They just they just are in a weird way. I, I, it's it's tough to like force a weird parity. Like I mean, Kansas City should not have the same budget as the Oakland A's, for example, right? But the A's I think probably are putting more, less money into the team than Kansas City is. And it's like, what are you guys doing, man? And and at one point, I think what three or four years ago, the Fisher. The ownership group was the sixth richest in baseball. Uh, five, and, and they have, at one point. Yeah, and then they have a bottom three, bottom five payroll. So it's nothing. But they uh, had a they had a top five art uh, art um, gallery or whatever, right? <laughs> Isn't that Mike? Hmm? Don't they have? Don't, aren't they invested in a bunch of like art? Oh like they yeah, have all yeah, this, yeah. Like, I, yeah. So it's just yeah, it's yeah, it doesn't seem to be a priority to them. Well, I think a lot of sports teams, without naming names, are definitely in it to just like make some sort of profit. But they're happy to not get in the postseason. It feels like they're just happy to kind of coast and make money. And to be fair, business should make money. But man, if I had a sports team, I would want to win all the goddamn time, man. Hell yeah. I would be that Mark Cuban, man. Every game, courtside. Yeah. Oh hell yeah. No, I mean you. You want to win. That's what sports is about, right? We're not celebrating ties and shit. You know, like you don't want that. God, I hate to say this, but you don't want the participation banner like the Colts did that one year. Like we make, we're a, a what we were a division placer. Like get out of here with that, man. It's yeah. winter and it's go up. You yeah. know. Yeah. Speaking of the Colts and speaking of the NFL, so we have four games this weekend. You guys, the LA Rams, visit the Green Bay Packers first this weekend. Oh my God, we're gonna lose in the divisional <laughs> playoffs. So, so you know, we like to give inside opinion on these NFL games, but then at the same time, we also like to give, you know, like our gambling insights for people who want sure, to place sure. it at wagers and stuff. So, so that six and a half is scary. You know, you're like, Oh yeah, of course, green Bay is going to win by line. at least a touchdown. Oh, dude, so kill us. Yeah, so the, so the Packers line. Packers being seven and one at home, they're six and a half point favorite. The bills are at home against the Ravens minus two and a half. The chiefs are a 10 point favorite at home against the uh, Cleveland Browns. And then New Orleans is a three-point favorite at home against the Buccaneers. With all of those, not just mm. co- uh, road covers, but wins last week, mm-hmm. do you think this is it's a trend that's going to happen this week, or no? You didn't think the cream, you know, the it's going to rise, and you know we're going to see what Packers, Bills, Chiefs, Saints, like no matter what. I think I think for sure. Don't quote me. <laughs> There's no way Kansas City and Green Bay lose with a week off and a whole extra week to prepare for the eventual winner. I, I think and 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 the homes and, and Rogers are ridiculous. I hate them both <laughs> until they get on my team, right? Uh Kansas City, would you say ten points? It feels like it should be bigger than that to me. Uh points. that's wild. Uh Green Bay by six and a half, they should cover that very well. The Rams I love my team, but we don't play in weather very well. We're not a cold weather team. I mean, Goff's playing with a broken thumb still, and I don't like that. I think our edge is in the running game and our defense. Um, I think, obviously, the passing game for them is going to be good. I saw an article, I think, on ESPN this morning with Brandon Staley, our defensive coordinator. You know, Before he was with us, he was with Denver and Chicago, and I think he faced Rodgers seven times and lost badly every 
all seven times. And so I was like, man, well, I, it's probably going to be consistent unless, you know, it, like I think every quarterback's beatable. If you get pressure up the middle, not on the edges, not on the sides, up the middle, where there's nowhere to go in the pocket. Aaron Donald can definitely do that. I know he's injured right now and I hope he somehow gets fired up in the cold, but that cold weather game is, is ugly to me for the Rams. I could see us getting completely skunked in that game. Um, I feel like the Bills should probably win, uh, beat the Ravens at home. They're at home, right? Um, yeah. And I would love to see the Saints beat Tampa Bay. Just, I'm, not, I'm not even a big Saints guy, but I, I mean, like, you know, they, what, they sued the Rams after the, the playoff game, so I don't, I'm not a big fan at all. It's like, you don't, we're not suing on games, guys. Uh, there's bad calls all the time. We don't get to litigate that. With um, the re- with with the Rams at six and a half though, if you take it to seven, I could see the Rams. You know, you say they're not a cold weather team, but the one advantage that I see the Rams actually having over the Green Bay Packers is that the Rams actually played. There's a certain thing in sports where you know you, your rhythm kind of gets messed up. Yes. Yeah, con- mm-hmm. these teams like to keep playing, right? So they just play. Yeah. They had a pretty good game. They're going into Green Bay. There was another, you know, there was another NFC West team that actually went into Green Bay for a championship, you know, to to go to the Super Bowl and actually made it there. You know what mm-hmm. I, you know, they actually beat them in Green Bay a couple seasons ago and I see the smile yeah, yeah. on Sean's face. So it, it can't <laughs> be done. And with Goff, does he have a little bit of extra pep in his step? So I don't know, man. It is so hard to go against uh, Rodgers and whatnot, but uh yeah, uh, Ramsey's been pretty locked down. You know, you've seen what he does with yeah, Metcalf. Yeah. Over, you know, he he he's a pretty damn good back. You know, he talk he, he talks a lot, but uh, don't, don't be so up, don't, though, man. Don't be so down no. on your Rams just yet, brother. No, 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 no. You, you're right. Like, I mean, obviously, uh, Ramsey's gonna be on Adams for sure, right? That's the matchup. That's what they're getting paid for. I, I think. Like hopefully we can stop the run game a little bit. And hopefully we can run the ball well. We I think we have to run the ball well. Because I don't want Goff throwing all that much because his thumb is hurt. Um, even if he was completely healthy, it, I'm not a Goff hater, but you don't. He doesn't feel like he's got that killer instinct in some big games to just you know just throw darts and just get up, get after people. Um, but I mean you know the Rams offense is a little, we like the little gimmicky stuff which I'm not super fond of. I always, like we talk about this in the shop right. I like power football. Run the goddamn ball till they can't. They can't stop you. Like the Derrick Henry offense, right? Although the Ravens balled him up very well this last weekend. But run that ball down their throats, man. That's what football is about to me. A little bit more of that. Um, yeah, our defense, I think, has got a, a slight advantage over Green Bay. But I think Rodgers is so damn smart. It's going to be tough matchup for sure. Well, one of these damn bays is going to make it. Go ahead, Sean. I was going to say I like Tampa Bay. But, Sean, I see you, I see you trying to get your word. Go ahead, brother. Oh, well, I mean, I guess focusing on the Rams, because that is what our guest is a huge fan of. I just <laughs> like the elite players at those key positions for the Rams. You got Donald and you got Jalen. Mm-hmm. Jalen covers Devontae. As long mm-hmm. as, you know, Donald can get that double and have Brockers mm-hmm. get the blitz and just contain Rodgers. I just think defensively, I mean, kind of reversing the script. There's no Bakatari who's going to be blocking. Yeah, you're uh, right. Rodgers' blind side. And mm-hmm. what you said on the offensive side, they got to honestly just simplify that offense to limit the whole mm-hmm. gadget, gadget crap. Just pound that ball with Akers, bring in Malcolm Brown, whoever in the hell you want. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, offensively, the weapons are actually there. Robert Woods, yeah. Everett, Cup. I-, I would take those guys in a heartbeat. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as they can defensively just contain Rodgers, you don't even got to stop them. Just contain them and just pound the ball. Yeah. Get them tired, flip the script on them. It's cold weather. 
they're going to be just as cold as you are. They're going to feel the pain just as much as you are. And if that defense can travel, I'm not going to be surprised if L.A. can cover that spread easily or even win that football game. I, I, I love what you're saying. I, I'm, I'm definitely going to put some money on the Rams, but it's like, man, you know, I, it's, it's a tough – Aaron Rodgers is having a just – what is it, 43 touchdowns, five picks? I mean, just ridiculous season. Video dude. game numbers, crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, I mean, our, our defense is uh, – the not so secret weapon for that team, right? The defense can score. It's like the Ravens when they went to the Super Bowl, right? If, it, if that team was, I think, averaging what ten points on defense that year, if your defense can put points up, that's a huge plus. Um, it'd be cool. I mean, I, I would love to see it. I, 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 I don't like Aaron Rodgers that much. I think that dude's a super Welsher. You know, like that whole <laughs> betting made with Kaepernick and never fell through with it. It's like, come on, like even the the Ryan Braun stuff. Like you bet that dude. I bet my whole salary. Yeah. But then, joking like no dude you you threw some you spit some serious game on the internet for everybody you probably owe that dude seven million dollars well, <laughs> <unless you're watching, laughs> well, i don't know i remember that yeah well well Jalen's gonna have to lock down his favorite receiver uh which is which was Carr's favorite receiver in fresno state coming out of palo alto in uh Devontae adams but let's head let's head to yeah, another game you- um, if you guys want to touch on this game, I'm actually looking here at Tampa Bay plus three. New Orleans have already beat Brady two times this season. And come on, guys. We've been watching this shit for 18 years. We know it's damn hard. You ain't going to beat Brady three times in, in, in one season, are you? I don't know. I mean, the staff that I texted I you guys yesterday, there's been 21 times that a team has, like like the Saints, they've beat the Bucks twice. And then they play a third time in the playoffs. It's happened 21 times, and 14 of those times, the team won three, put three straight. How many of those times was it Brady, though? But how many of those times was Breeze? You know, in the the Voodoo Dome, too. I mean, I have to strictly go uh, with Kansas City and No fans. And New Orleans. It doesn't matter. Yes. Oh, yes, it does. I think they're alone fans. Saints are alone fans. How many? 30,000? Oh, I ain't thirty thousand. Hmm. I mean, uh, you give me about ten thousand, twelve thousand in the Voodoo Dome. Well, you had, I'll, I'll you still had, take that. You gave that okay, analysis last break. week against mm-hmm. the Chicago Bears. I know it's Chicago Bears, but I mean, I mm-hmm. have to go Kansas City, New Orleans because they're my preseason Super Bowl pick. So if that if, if, that, <laughs> if it's that close of a spread, I'm going but, Drew Brees in New Orleans. What be, but what better story, Mikey? Come on, we already know it's already set out to be. Oh, Tom's first season at Tampa Bay, the Super Bowl at Raymond James Studio or Stadium in Tampa Bay. I don't think about that story because I don't want it to happen. <laughs> I want Tom Brady it's to not re- Tampa Bay. It's Tom Brady. TB is yeah, Tom yeah, it's Brady. TB. Tom Brady. Tampa, Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. Tom Brady Buccaneers. <laughs> Tampa Bay, Bay baby. I- don't talk about that story. Don't even put it out there. That's a the nightmare universe. for Mike. That's not a dream. Yeah. That's not a reality. Dude, That's a nightmare. Especially if, like, if and then if Kansas City goes to, I got to watch the division foe, Patrick Mahomes. Sean's got to watch the, the team who beat his team last year go two straight against Tom Brady, or if Tom Brady wins a seventh. Yeah, no, dude, this is a nightmare, dude. Get me out of the last twenty to twenty-five years of being a Raider fan. I can stop. see it now, Mike. This game-winning touchdown, Brady to Antonio Brown. That would be the oh, ultimate. Dagger oh my god! And, exactly. What we're talking about Antonio Brown too, dude. Don't even stop. We're gonna be an. I'm with Mike on this, bro. Mike on this, because the Raiders are my B team. I'm with Mike on this. I don't want Tom Brady to win. I don't want the Chiefs <laughs> to win. I, I want Tom Brady and Bruce Arians to to lose so badly in a weird way. I, I just really do. 
I mean, Bruce Arians, they all spit a lot of games. Bruce Arians talks a lot of, lot of smack. I, I'd like to see him lose in a big game. He talks a lot of crap. You're right about Does that. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not too fond of him, to be honest. He talks a lot of crap. Yeah, no, he always does. That's been part of his thing. The yeah. younger walrus. <laughs> yeah. So Alex, can't, um, base, can't base talented though for sure. That's a talented team. Yeah. So 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 to kind of end the NFL segment, uh, if you were yeah. to give a pick or two that you're confident in for our gamblers Ooh. out there, so what <laughs> would you? This is a know, first. This is a if first, fans. If you're going to sell a book on eBay and put all that money towards on on one bet this weekend, <laughs> what would it be? Oh. And remember, Alex. We're actually being heard in about 20 to 30 different countries right now. So yeah. you have people wide here in this, by the Honduras. way. Honduras. Listen, they're listening in Honduras. They're listening in, o- in Ireland. In over, Belgium, in over 30 Russia. states. Belgium. They're over listening. 30 states across the country, too. Well, can, I, can I get a shout out to my girl, Jenny, on the quiet storm? I'd like to get a song out to my girl, Jenny. <laughs> like, of across the world. No, Chiefs, dude. I think Chiefs are, with an extra week, with that, that team is so ridiculous. I... I Love and hate Patrick Mahomes mostly because he's not a Raider. Like it's just that guy's too much, man. Yeah. If he's on the Raiders, we it would be ridiculous. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So that does it. That's about you know does it for the NFL talk. That's uh you know the guy that we love coming on colliding literally colliding the worlds of sports and comics. Uh, the owner of Treasure Island Comics in Fremont, California. Please everyone go check him out. Uh, our terrific sponsor who's given us so much. Um, Alex, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. We hope to catch you yeah, in a I'm few months. Um, because you know, yeah. like I, I know how much you love NASCAR. So we got the, you know, got the NASCAR season starting in February. <laughs> so I'm we'll, a left turn kind of guy. Just make that left, make that left, make that left, make that left. We got the 24 hours of Daytona in about two weeks. Don't forget that 24 hour race on that roval down there in the, in Daytona beach, baby. That's I can't right. wait for that. I haven't forgotten. I've been, I was waiting for you to bring that up. I'm pining for that. Well, Jim Johnson, <laughs> I mean, retiring from NASCAR, but obviously racing in 24 hour races and three hour stints throughout the night, uh, down there in Daytona beach. Like I said, I can't wait. Definitely test his piss. That, there's going to be amphetamines in some of those drivers. Just putting that out there. <laughs> Right. No, they take naps. Come on, they sleep while the other driver drives for three hours. It's just crazy. I love it. Oh, okay, Let's... I have no idea how it works. <laughs> I love it. All right, Alex. But um, for, you know, I speak for myself and um, and Mark and Sean. When thoroughly, thank you for what you do. You know, oh, yeah, we, you. we appreciate it every day. I'm glad that I walked into that shop in the summer of 2016 for the two weeks before rebirth, and you guys told me <laughs> don't get anything now. Let's just start rebirth and right. start fresh in comics, but. But thank you so much for joining us. We'll have you on very, very soon, sooner than last time. But thanks a lot for jumping on. Yeah, yeah, we have, we have to schedule something. I'm, it. it's, it's, it's cool. All right, guys, have a good night, man. You thank too. You. Thank you. Thanks a lot. You Appreciate it. one, Alex. That has been it, Alex. All right. Talk to you later. Welcome back to the Comic Bookies Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much, Alex, from Treasure Island Comics in Fremont, California, for jumping on for the second time. He's, you know, fighting for, you know, with our other guest, uh, Frank Gogol and, and Jason Douglas, as the uh, the record for a number of times he appears. I think he's going to surpass that pretty soon. But, gentlemen, before we end the episode, episode 96, which has been great so far, glad to do another week with you guys, let's give our picks. Kind of forgot with Alex. So the NFL picks those four games. Are you confident in one, two, three, or all four games as far as spread, money line, over, under? Uh, you know, give the fans some picks as if they're going to want to put their hard-earned money on some games this weekend. 
Well, I know Mark did a good job of uh, showing us all the games, the slate for the weekend, as well as the spreads. And boy, do we got some good ones, man. Uh, I don't know if I could be 100% on any games, because when you really look at them, bro, like, there's some tough games. But if there is one, I do got to agree with Alex. The 10 points in Kansas City, I think Kansas City is going to easily be uh, the Cleveland Browns. They are now the worst 13 team, 13 win team <laughs> that I've ever seen. I, you know, I'm still rolling with that. I'm not f- fond of them. But uh, if I were to go with the second game, I think I got to go with that narrative of Tom Brady losing three times. I, I personally haven't seen it and I don't think I'm going to see it. So let's go with Tom Brady, uh, not just covering, but defeating the New Orleans Saints in the Voodoo Dome. So Sean's basically taking him a plus 140 on the money line, which, you know, pretty much what I was saying when Alex on as well. Good value you know, right there. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see a little like uh, plus 160 would have enticed me a little bit more. But or with, a, point or two. with a plus three here at a minus 105, you know, you're getting a little bit uh, good, good bat. You know, that kind of does scare me in a way that they're charging you more to, you know, more basically to, 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 to lay dog. points. But uh, I just I got to go with my gut here, man. And Tom Brady uh I think that Arians, as much as you guys say that he likes to kind of ruffle feathers a little bit, I'd have to be looking at uh, plus three here. And I'd also like to parlay that, guys, because we got an over under here at about 52, 51 and a half in that range. So uh, I'd say I'd say over 52. But uh, man, now that I think about it, though, Sean, let me get your take on it. It's a division game. You could divisional think game. You might be playoffs the third time. You know, fifty two is kind of high. They're watching tape. I'm sure the defenses are going to try to be a little bit more uh, in tune to what they're doing. So, but then, again, but then again, in the beginning of the game last week, New Orleans couldn't score anything. So maybe they want to come out with you know because they again you want to say they know each other. It's going to be low scoring. But then again, you could say one team knows the other more than ever. So it's going to skyrocket and they're going to score 49 points, you know, so I don't know. And is there going to be any more uh, COVID uh, pop-ups coming from uh, the time we record this on Wednesday I hope not. night? You know what I mean? So Yeah, because, I, I mean, aside from – Yeah, so aside from a few specific teams, I want to say something before I get my pick, and aside from obviously the Big Ten the Pac-12, would, wouldn't you guys agree that these football seasons have been a huge success as far as the majority of the, uh, of the media – said that there's no chance that any of these seasons get played. The NHL, the NBA, like we've said, did an amazing job inside the bubble. Major League Baseball had like three or four teams who really didn't play for like week to ten days. But for like overall, people saying that people are going to die and everything, it's just totally not the case. And they've, I think each each league individually, some more than others, have done a great job with actually giving us what we want in sports, whether it be a shortened season or not. But the NFL got every single team played six 16 games in those 17 weeks. They didn't have to like shut down a week and then, you know, go into week five, play our week four games. They did an amazing job this year. And a lot of those extreme things that we heard was kind of early, early year in the COVID situation, pretty much based off the extreme fear. And maybe there are people who had certain agendas. So a little bit of that propaganda. I mean, exactly what you said, people are going to die from this. You can't have a season. Well, we had a season. We had some playoffs and we're going to have a champion. Even if there are some games along the way that get canceled or postponed, 
they're handling it accordingly with all the tests. They're doing it exactly how it should be. They're kind of flipping the narrative that, you know, we can still have a sense of normal, even if there are no fans. And they're giving us the product that, I mean, it makes us feel good. Like, damn, we at least could still watch some damn sports. So, yes, I think it's beyond successful. And it's not going to get any worse than what it is now. And if this is as worse as it is, then, hey, we're winning, right? Yeah, especially from us coming out in California. You know, we have the most conservative uh, as far as protocols are concerned. A lot of people have season tickets for the Titans or for the Browns or all these teams. They've seen a bunch of games. You know, they can go out and do some things. You know, Disney World is, has been open since July, and they just did. They just opened up park hopping uh, on, on January 1st. So for us, you know, you don't see those big like, oh, my God, there's been 60 cases of COVID, and it stems from the Browns game. Oh, my God, you have 150 new cases, and they all went to Disneyland in the last – or Disney World in the last five days. You don't see that. So for us, it's like it kind of gets us more like amped up, like why aren't these things opening? Our teams can't even play in Santa Clara County. The Niners and the Sharks have to play in Arizona. So it's just kind of, I don't know, it, it gets me, I don't know, I'm hopeful for the future, but at the same time, I think these these seasons specifically for our Bay Area teams and California teams, man, it's, again, it's going to be another year of, of, of lower viewership. I don't know. Who do you like, Mike? Give us your pick real quick I'm before. So, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I actually like the team that we didn't even talk about. I, uh, you know, people have been rolling with Buffalo this year. I don't like the Bills. I like the Ravens. The Ravens okay. have been one of the hotter teams in the NFL this year. I think they're a plus two and a half. If I can get up to a three, maybe closer to four, definitely take the Ravens. But even at a, even if I can buy up to just a, a plus three, I see them going. They went on the road. They beat Tennessee. They actually played pretty well the last couple you know last couple games. But I see that the uh, the Buffalo train is stopping this season. Or, I mean this week, the, the wagon is stopping this week. So you got Sean and I on the Tampa Bay Bucks. Looking at up at plus one forty on the money line, we like them, but as well as that plus three, Mike, you're taking uh, Buffalo. Baltimore. Uh, oh, sorry, take that back. Yeah, Baltimore. Yeah, you know, you know what though, Baltimore. I think that I saw a quote. He's sick of going home, right, uh, Lamar? So I think that you know, I don't know. Buffalo's been pretty hot. That's a game I'd stay away from. You like Baltimore. Hopefully you hit. If uh, any comic bookie fans out there like it, roll with Mike. That's a stay away game for me. But um, you guys want to get into a, uh, the college football game real quick? Maybe just touch on something that you saw. Or I mean, that, you, that Alabama yeah. offense is one of the best I've ever seen. I text you guys. There they won. Is. I forgot the name, but the Doak Walker Award, the Fred Belitnikoff Award winner. They had the best quarterback, the best running back, and the best wide receiver award, including best wide receiver gets the Heisman Trophy on one offense. It's like five All-Americans on one offense. Like you can't, I mean, their defense was a lot worse than what LSU's was last year. So that's a good little debate. Last year's LSU team, this year's Alabama team. But man, that was a... That would have been a game for the ages. I know. So once, but that, that, that second quarter, it was, it's, it's over. They had the early turnover that uh, turned into seven points for Ohio state. But you know, you had my mentality totally changed as far as my pick is concerned. Once they got into the second quarter and they started rolling, dude, you didn't even need Devonte Smith in the second half with 12 catches, two seventy something and three touchdowns in the first goddamn half. It's kind of that psychology before the game for like a Justin Fields in Ohio State. We've been beating these teams. We just won our playoff game versus Clemson. We're facing Alabama. You know what? We could beat them. We could beat anybody. You know, we grew up with that mentality. But once you're in that first quarter or second quarter and you get hit in the mouth, we about to get our ass whooped today. <laughs> you know, 
we're just playing a different beast. And what Mike said, you know, in the beginning, they, you know, they, they stuck around a little bit. But once that second quarter came around and Najee started going off, Devontae started going off, you know, it was over. Ohio State really knew it, never had a chance after that. And, yeah, they're just a superior team, one of the best of, I think, our lifetime, maybe the best ever. Uh, collegiately, a great football team, obviously one of the best coaches, and it's well-deserved. No ifs, ands, or buts. And Sarkeesian going over to the Longhorns as he's uh, departing as OC down there in Tuscaloosa, which your guy, uh, you know, O'Brien, the recently let go head coach of the Houston Texans, about to join Nick Saban down there as he tries to go for his, what, seventh, eighth uh, national championship now. But uh, he's he's won like six championships in like 17 years coaching in college. That's all. (laughs) Jeez. That's insane. Insane. And, And how many has he been to? You know, like I think he's lost at least two or three in the national championship as well. So at least two, I, th- I'm, I think I'm, I'm remembering. Man, it's just crazy. Alabama, shit. Yeah, so I think it's going to be a little bit different, getting used to a different offensive coordinator and whatnot. But uh, would, I t- would, I tell- would I say that I think they're going to be there again next year? No, I don't. I think that... Early favorites, a- to repeat. Oh well, yeah, they're always there, but I think that with the season being a little bit more, hopefully by the time they kick it off, you know, in September, I hope that the COVID is, I don't know, I don't know if it's completely, but I hope that it's going to be 90, 95% controlled by then. But I think that this year was a little bit, you know, with that, they, uh, it kind of like, a. They lost it. They wanted to come back, get it. So it was like a redemption year for them. And it was kind of somewhat of a, I wouldn't say easy because it wasn't an easy year to navigate. But I think that just the way it was set up, I just think that Alabama was really set up with the team they had and the teams that they played and the schedule and LSU really falling off. And, you know, really Florida, Florida, Florida Florida played better. Florida did play better, but you really look. We we saw that they played more SEC teams this year than any other team in the history of SEC football. They didn't play any like our, you know, like Appalachian State or USC. That was a gimme game. They played more SEC games like 11 or 12 alone than any other team has ever played. So when you want to say the best conference in college football, wouldn't you say that was and to navigate around covid? Wouldn't you say that that was a a, a bigger, well-deserved win? You give them more credit than that? Yeah, I can see how you're looking at it. I'm kind of looking at it as, I don't know, the the season just seemed like with the Big Ten playing, what, seven games and they got in. Yeah. So I, I think that A&M should have been more to probably deserve to get in, right? I and, agree. And Ohio State, which, I mean, they go out and handle Clemson. So uh, what, what would have uh, Alabama done to Clemson then? You know what I mean? Like you're telling me they would have beat them down that hard because Ohio State seemed to handle them, but I don't know. It just the the whole season to me seemed kind of weird with Pac-10, Big 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 Ten start or Pac-12, Big Ten starting hella late, and just I don't know, man. I know that you're right. I didn't really put that into consideration, but they did play all you know 13 SEC games, which is pretty damn tough to do. So you know you're right. They did have the offense to do it, but 
I don't know. It just seemed like it was too easy for some reason. Like you would have thought yeah. like 13 and 0, like damn, no, it I, was that easy. I would have I, I definitely agree with you. So hopefully, you know, just like just like like all seasons, you know, the NHL, NBA and baseball, they're going to be short still again this season, but but with football, you could hopefully you could hope that we're going to get back to a normal 2021 into early 2022 season. So we'll get a a, a lot better feel. Even the Pac-12 We'll be playing a full slate of games. So, I mean, that's pretty much it for me, my, you know, myself, Mike, Mark, and Sean. This has been episode 96, fellas. Uh, great to jump on with you two and Alex. Uh, but take us away, boys. As Mike said, episode 96, a very, very fun episode colliding the world of sports and comics with Alex, our sponsor from Treasure Island Comics in Fremont, California. Hopefully this keeps reaching out to people worldwide, our fans. Hopefully you guys are entertained. We had a great time with you guys. And we're getting closer to that episode 100, which we are promoting tough online, guys, on Instagram, Facebook, all social media platforms. Definitely uh, check us out on a weekly basis and especially on episode 100, which we will be live. Uh, And to add, before Mike and Mark finish their outro... February 4th, just shown on ESPN, there will be a new 30 for 30 featuring the Oakland Raiders. Yeah, it's like, it's like Al, Al Davis. Davis versus the NFL. the NFL. So make sure you guys stay tuned Yay. and watch that. I can't wait to take another couple of years off my life watching that. He fought the NFL, but <laughs> like these guys said, thank you, fans all over the world, all over the globe. Thank you, Alex, for delivering his expertise in uh the entertainment and industry side of uh, his world over there and the comic industry and whatnot. But yeah, we didn't even mention tonight, guys. Hockey started back up tonight for all you ice fans out there. Like, uh, like Alex mentioned, lightning came out and killed his team, the Blackhawks, but it's going to be another fun season, less travel, but we'll get into that next week. Let's get into a couple more NFL games here. A couple more books as you guys uh, get to listen to episode 96, uh, really glad to do it with you guys this week. Very excited. And uh, let's look uh, good. Let's look forward to episode 100 uh, going live with these folks and uh, really getting some interaction and having some fun with the fans out there. Drop us a message on social media at the comic bookies at gmail.com at the comic bookies on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you like. Drop us a five star review on Apple reviews. It goes a long way for the podcast people. Thank you. And thank you, Mike. Thank you, Sean. It was good as always to reconvene here on a Wednesday night with my brothers. And uh, let's go, baby. Yes, sir. And as I close the episode out, I want to also point out that gentlemen, we had another record breaking day. As far as downloads concerned, uh, January 9th, more downloads than we've ever had before. We want to add a new country. I think we've had someone download before, but thank you for the two downloads from the country to the north of us, Canada. Oh, Canada, baby. You know what? Sorry, (laughs) actually, for the persons, people who download in Canada, sorry we didn't get to the NHL. Promise we will get into it next week for sure. But um, yeah. Uh, Of course, like Sean and Mark said, keep up with all of our social media, jump on and subscribe to our YouTube page and hit that little bell button to get all the alerts whenever we drop videos. We're dropping them as often as we can, uh, not as often as we want, but yeah, stay tuned. Saturday, February 13th, I want to say around 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time, we'll be going live on our YouTube page. So that is why you need to subscribe to the page and get your notifications up. Um, But for Mark... 
for Sean and for Alex. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been the Comic Bookies Podcast. And like every week, enjoy the sports, enjoy the comics, and enjoy each other. Peace out. See you all next week. Peace. Always enjoy each other and always enjoy those guests that are given to you to spread the good word on their expertise and uh, give you guys the best content that can be delivered entertainment, comic, and sports-wise. Let's go, baby. TCB 96. Let's go. Let's go.